0: Joe Welcome to episode three of Sunglasses at Night podcast. Is that what we're calling this thing? <laughs> sure. That's all right. <laughs> Working title. I'm just, I just sort of got so pumped up by, by Corey Hart's Sunglasses at Night last week, I thought Sunglasses at Night, the podcast, is such a, it's, it's a catchy sure. title, it, it, you know, and it also sums up my outlook on life, really, sure. wearing sunglasses in the evening time, so... <laughs>
1: I mean, you're wearing sunglasses right now. I am, and it's and evening, it, and so exactly exactly kept right. Bumping into things, but you know,
0: for we're sure. We're here now. We for got sure. there in the
1: end, definitely. So, look, I just need to start this
0: episode by um, apologising. We had some people contact us during the week. Look, we didn't um, <laughs> because we haven't put out any of the podcasts yet. But I need to pretend that we put this out sure, and people complained. Sure, you could have complained. just said it anyway. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I don't want to mislead people. So <laughs> sure. so, so we so, what so we didn't have any complaints, but I, I, there's a bit later on in the podcast that I want to sort of sure. say it and yes. it sort of relies on us having people that complain. So, sure. so we had some people during the week complain um, that, that when we talked about um, Madonna's Like a Virgin, we didn't really talk much about, we didn't give any facts about Madonna or talk about sure. Madonna. We just sort of talked no, about the book sex and yeah. and I compared it sort of suggesting that it was effectively like, you know, 2021, um, you know, you know, Tones and I releasing a coffee table book with pictures of her fingering herself outside of KFC. You didn't know who Tones and I was, which I was surprised at, <laughs> sure. and then we sort of went I there. thought you were talking
1: about someone called Tones and saying, Tones and I... It's very confusing. As in it was you two sort of in a Madonna, vanilla rice kind of tableau outside KFC. <laughs> absolutely. her fingering herself, you, I don't know, looking on... Of course, absolutely. Aghast, or maybe sensually looking on. Centrally, holding definitely. a 12-piece feed. <laughs> you know, definitely
0: the twelve. It is the most sensual of the foods I find the twelve piece feed, and yeah, definitely. I'm surprised Madonna didn't have a twelve piece feed in the sex book, but anyway. Maybe so, it was on a page I
1: missed. Yeah,
0: definitely. So apologies for those people that, that wrote in. I know no one did, but that wrote in during the week plane because yeah. So anyway, so later on, I just oh, we will rectify started that.
1: Started off like that, then I guess. exactly.
0: So apologies. So yeah, but um. Anyway, so. First number one of 1985, did I say we're doing 85, but we are, we are. Yep. 1985, um, was One More Week of Madonna Like a Virgin, um, we talked about this last week, um, did you have anything, did you have some thoughts during the week, Tom, that you wanted to oh, add to this that we didn't mention last I week? I or... found out a fact, I, I looked it up. Well, that's good, because <laughs> people complained about no facts, <laughs> sure. so if, that would be well, great.
1: yeah. Uh... It was written, I just thought it was interesting that it was written by two guys, written by Tom Gelly and Billy Steinberg. Uh, apparently, was inspired by his personal memories of romance, Ooh. which asks a few questions. <laughs> <It does>. um, <laughs> apparently, like in mid 84, Madonna met producer Niall Rogers at the Power Station Studios in New York. Uh, and Rogers did not initially want Madonna to record Like a Virgin as he felt that the lyric Like a Virgin was not a terrific hook. According to him, it was not an all-time catchphrase. Uh, Rogers dismissed the song after hearing the demo, which he thought sounded, quote, really stupid and retarded. Mm, cool. But he later changed his mind because he said uh, four days later, like, I still couldn't get the song out of my head. So yeah. it was like, okay, well, apparently it's retarded but catchy. Yes. So, and <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, do you reckon... It's a bit weird that a song like this, which defines Madonna, really—I mean, it kind of defines Madonna. It'd be the the first song most people thought of when you mentioned her, or people my age, anyway. That was written, produced, and musically performed by a bunch of dudes. Like, yeah, is that or is that just how pop music works? Am I? Look, it seems to be time. I think um, we learnt last week that
0: um, Cindy it Lauper still happens today. I'd it? say so. Yeah, definitely. We we learnt that Cindy Lauper's big song "Girls Just Want to Have Fun" was written by a dude. Um, yeah,
1: true, true.
0: And look, I wouldn't be surprised if through the coming weeks, even into into present day, we'll find that a lot of these, you know, female. I guess anthems were probably written by dudes. I think the music industry just does seem to be either you write your own songs, or if you don't, it's just a bunch of dudes in a room
1: penning songs and then
0: farming them out to people. So, but I hope
1: I'm proven wrong. We'll find (laughs) out. It sold five million copies. Now, something that only just occurred to me right then Mm. is that perhaps with a lot of these songs, as we said, that are written by you know other people. The reason that the artist likes them, that it clicks with them, is that they find something in it that they think that they can make their own sort of thing. And it occurs to me that perhaps Madonna, given the fact that she was already called Madonna and was already using Catholic imagery, just thought that a song that had the word virgin in the title was a good fit for simultaneously... Her branding herself and annoying Catholics, which seemed to be a huge part of the early part Absolutely. of her career, that had Absolutely. never even occurred to me, to be honest. For like sure, like the yeah. Madonna Virgin thing, you know. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. It's a, you're right. The whole package is sort of like, would it have been a bigger hit if someone else had have sung it? That was as big a no, star no, at the time. It seemed not. to be that. you're imagine, right.
1: The just so. imagine how weird it would be to hear two dudes with giant mullets. Because it's 85. See, like Virgin. doing like a virgin yeah, touch for the very first time. That be? Look, I mean, and I not to mention cover. creepy as fuck. As yeah, well. definitely.
0: Look, uh, you know, I'll be making some, you know, calls during the week and see if we can get Kenny Loggins out of retirement to do a <laughs> like a virgin cover. Let's hope so. So, um, sure, okay. thanks for that. Thanks for the facts. That's moving good. on. That that's was good. only one week. First gonna, week of 85. That's going to placate the uh, the complaints <laughs> from last week. Now, this. Year 1985, I'm sorry to advise the listeners that this is a rough one this year. This is a rough year because um, it's effectively the year of the charity single. Um, So first off the bat here, um, 14th of Jan for four weeks was Band-Aid, Do They Know It's Christmas. Did
1: we have one of these last year?
0: Um, or is this the start? This is, I think, this is the this start. Is the start. Yeah. Sorry, there's, I was trying, to,
1: I was racking my brains, but yeah. I and there's a, there's right.
0: a couple more this year. I think this was successful, so a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon. Yep. A lot of charity singles came out. Starting so a, in
1: the UK with Guild off, he, absolutely he kicked
0: it all off. Absolutely. So um, musically, having having listened to this song during the week. Um, it is fucking terrible, yeah, isn't it? It's... It is one of the worst songs I think mean... I've ever heard. But it it begs the question, <laughs> is an absolute dog shit piece of music with no artistic merit whatsoever, if
1: it's for a good cause, does that make it possible? Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because, I mean, it obviously was. He was trying to respond to a famine. Like, this had never been done before. The mm. idea of a sort of charity... You know, a a larger kind of international charity single thing. Like, you know, it's an entirely good-hearted thing. Got the figures there. Like, he... um, What was it? He he said he was hoping that it would raise, like, 70,000 quid or so you Mm -hmm. reckon he could get. And it made 8 million pounds instead, which adjusted is about 32 million Australian today. So that one song. But, yeah, like, you can't argue with that. Unfortunately, as you say, you also can't argue with... Uh, I believe it was Morrissey's assertion that the song is dog shit and has no melody, Yeah, which is... Um,
0: look, I know that that I, <laughs> I think that in, he came
1: out afterwards and was not impressed.
0: Definitely. Look, I know in 2021, Morrissey's, you know, persona non grata. <laughs> I know that um, he's burned a few bridges. Is it still okay to wear a Smith's T-shirt? I'm not sure. Um, hmm. I hope it is, but, you know, wait and see. But you're right. He did say, um, I quote, I'm not afraid to say that I think Band-Aid was diabolical. Or to say, I think, Bob Geldof is a nauseating character. Look, he's on—he's on, he's hit the nail on the head there <laughs> twice i his facial hair yeah. was nauseating. Many people find that very unsettling, but I'll say it as loud as anyone wants me to. In the first instance, the record itself was absolutely tuneless. Yep, he's, he's right again. Mm. One can have great concern for the people of Ethiopia, but it's another thing to inflict daily torture on the people of Great Britain. It was an awful record considering the mass of talent involved. And it wasn't done shyly. It's the most self righteous platform ever in the history
1: of popular music. Mm, um, so, I did mean, he like it, Tom, or did he not like it? It's I'm, hard to tell from I'm it. a bit torn here because I love the Smiths, and oh, obviously, musically, so the Smiths shit on Bob Geldof from high orbit. Yep. But on the other hand, like Geldof and Bono did unquestionably raise a fuck ton of money for famine relief, mm-hmm. like politics aside. Whereas these days, Morrissey is known, you know, mostly for being a weird reactionary dickhead who <laughs> <Yep. laughs> goes on Twitter and says he doesn't like the Jews much or whatever. Yeah, like so, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to say, isn't it? Like, yeah, absolutely. It's but, yeah, yeah, and no, I agree. Um, when
0: it comes to this song, I guess effectively, um, it was a numbers game. It was let's get as many people on here as possible, yes, and let's hope that people were like, it's for a good cause, oh, and I like that person yeah one of these dudes yeah um, and I'll just quickly real quick Um, Paul Young Boy George George Michael Simon Le Bon From Duran Duran One of my favourites And Bono They all did the verses And then the chorus Just had like a billion people On there David Bowie Phil Collins Paul McCartney Geldof himself Banana Rama Showed up um, (laughs) Spandau Ballet Cool and the gang So they They just said Let's get everyone That exists To do this They were doing
1: In London at the time No
0: Exactly (laughs) Exactly And look I don't know whether Obviously, um, as you said, raised a lot of money, eight million pounds. I think Bob Geldof himself went to Africa to sort of distribute the money to sort of try and give it to you know people that he thought were most deserving. If you're a starving kid and you hadn't eaten (laughs) for some time, and someone said, "Look, I've got some food for you," however, the food is only available as a result of proceeds of the sales of this song, (laughs) and then they played the song to you. Would you take the food, Tom, or would you just continue to starve? What I mean, it's a tough one.
1: I suppose it would depend, you know, how many like Simon Le Bon posters were on the wall of my grass hut. True, that's true. Plains of, (laughs) absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. If I was a big early Duran Duran fan, I might, I might, you know, think, well, look, the melody's not that great, but it's good to see Simon definitely work you know
0: look i would have chosen to staff but that's just me (laughs) um obviously each to their own whatever you want to do that's okay um and i think probably something more well the song was pretty diabolical but um re-recorded in 1989 band-aid 2 then uh 2004 again and then 2014 um for a bowler they they did it again so they trot this out every few years with a whole new cast of characters. Um, I won't bother reading them out because, it's, <laughs> as you can imagine, it's just sort of like shitty dudes from that year. Yeah. So, 89, I think Jason Donovan gets involved, and then 2014, I think Chingy's in there, so I don't really know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's look definitely definitely something that they trot out a little bit too Do frequently.
1: The most interesting thing about this song, and indeed the whole live aid, band-aid phenomenon, is comes back to that old question of... Uh, to what degree can you Can you detect cynicism on behalf of other people yeah. So I mean there's no argument Against making it a charity single Even if it's utter crap Yeah, If it generates heaps of money for people So the only real way you can criticise it Is the way Morrissey And other you know bands at the time I'm sure Criticised it, which is to say that the whole thing Was just a self-promotional exercise Disguised as charity Yeah. But for that to work For that argument to work You really have to think that Bob Deldorf from day one is going around thinking, hmm, I haven't been on TV for a while. How can I get some money? Oh, there's yeah. some starving aff- I just, I just don't find myself... Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a it, weird circular argument. It gets, there's a lot of stuff in pop music that comes back to this kind of thing, like jukebox musicals, for instance, Spring to Mind. They're yeah. a kind of current thing that have nothing to do with charity, but everything to do with... You know the argument of to what extent does someone actually like this, or are they just trying to make cash out of this?
0: You know. Yeah, does the ends justify the means? Um, I guess for Bob Geldof to sort of say, "I need to stay in the public eye. Oh, I'm going to do this song yeah. again, yeah. but Who... it's for a good cause." So, do you criticise him, or for for just yeah. sort of maybe I'm a bit cynical and I say, "Yeah, he just seem to pop up every once in a while. going, Oh, I've got a new Band Aid band together," and then so. I
1: mean the obvious the obvious counter-argument is, well, what have you done for charity? That's true. true. So you give 8 million pounds to charity. Anyway, I don't know. I'm just saying I've never found a sort of, you know... Look,
0: I think for me, one of the most damning critiques is um, from Chumbawamba, Tom, (laughs) who um, released the album Pictures of Starving Children Sell Records, as well as an EP titled We Are the World, um, were intended as an anti-capitalist critique of Band-Aid, the live-aid phenomenon, and they argued that You know, the record was primarily a cosmetic spectacle designed to draw attention away from the real political causes of world hunger. And look, all I want to say is, you know you fucked up when the guys that wrote tub thumping are calling <laughs> you out for doing something without any artistic merit for the sole purpose of generating money.
1: So, Oh, look, I'm sure tub thumping was meant to be satirical, and I'm also sure that they didn't satirically give all the money away that they made from tub thumping. No, absolutely. Absolutely <laughs> right. I'm sure they unsatirically put it in their own bank account. <laughs> Definitely. I, just, I find this interesting. The history of popular music is the history of cheese balls versus cynics. Mm -hmm. And they go round and round in a kind of cyclical thing. You see it over and over again. Like music will lean one way towards cheeseballness, and then eventually there'll be a counter-reaction and it'll go back to cynicism. And then people gradually get bored of cynics or the cynics gradually turn into cheeseballs as they get older and then there'll be another counter-reaction. I just, yeah. And it depends who's writing criticism. If the critics are cheeseball, then obviously they're going to be skewed towards that sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Look, I think it's safe to say this sucked, um, <laughs> so, we, we, you know, take, I just think from a a from purely musical point of view, taking away all the good cause, yeah, it's a terrible oh, yeah. song, it's it's probably Absolutely. a one out of ten in terms of... Um,
1: uh, well, like, speaking of which, lyrics, yep. I mean, just in case you've never heard this song or, you know, you're too young to <laughs> feel and you think that we might be overstating how shit it is, uh, have a go at this... Um, Remember, remember, while I'm saying this, that we're speaking to sub-Saharan Africans, Ethiopians starving to death who probably never watched television or no. listened to pop music in their lives. There's a world outside your window and it's a world of dread and fear where the only water flowing is the bitter sting of tears mm. and the Christmas bells that ring there are the clanking chimes of doom. Mm, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Well, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. This is that's to the white people, <laughs> it says it all, yeah, really. It does, yeah. And there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas time. Like, no fucking yeah. shit. The greatest gift this, they'll get this year is life. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Where nothing ever grows, no rain or rivers flow. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Probably not, given that they're not Christian, I would say. I mean, this is some David Brent Equality Street level oh, dog that's shit. Terrible, yeah, in exactly. fact, I would say if that song had come out this year, it would have made a billion dollars for charity, no doubt 100%. You could release that song unironically in 1985 and yeah. massive hit on your hand, absolutely. <laughs> Look, I don't really know whether I've got more to say about this. You can only no. shoot on a song, <laughs> for so long, no, please uh, move on. Sorry, like, that's enough for no, me.
0: it's it's terrible Dalton's... though, definitely. Um, so okay, next up, oh, sorry, 100,000. Uh, Spotify listeners a month still fuck knows who and you can get this on Discogs for 18 cents cents. 18 18. oh yeah that's that's at the bottom (laughs) it is at the bottom definitely (laughs) definitely Um, so moving on next 11th of Feb for 5 weeks Foreigner I want to know what love is Mm,
1: they did they were curious
0: Um, they did want to know what love is Um, they wanted you to tell them exactly right too
1: lazy to Wikipedia
0: it exactly
1: Um, now do you prefer this version or the Tina Arena version (laughs) Um, have I mean, you heard the Tina Arena version? Shamefully, I haven't. No, it's, I mean, I'd, I'd flip a coin as to whether it would be better. It might be better than this. Yeah, absolutely. she had a good voice.
0: Absolutely right. Yeah, for sure. Look, um, I think Foreigner—they're a hit factory, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Um, They've—they they've, own a factory that just pumps out what hits. What were some of their other? Hits oh, this one, cold uh, as ice. He was cold as ice. Sure. Um, <laughs> waiting for a girl like you. Oh. I'm
1: waiting. A,
0: like yeah. a, and say you will.
1: Say you will. Say you will. Make classics. A, all, a so all, all great. Classics. Sure. Look,
0: Tom. I, I don't want to. Um, do we have to cancel Foreigner? Um, <laughs> I don't. Why? I Why feel, would well, we? Well, I feel need like to... we're canceling something every week, and I don't really want to cancel them. But, I'm sure something will show up. Uh, look, the video clip of this. Um, they. They bun- They get a bunch of, uh, of african americans on a bus, and they bust them into the studio. <laughs> I did watch that and then <laughs> and they make them sing the song. And look, I just don't know look, I don't know the terms of the contract. Were they adequately compensated
1: mm. for this? It's a you know, weird one, isn't it? It is like, like I don't really that, know like where they the busing, the busing only starts like halfway through. At the it start does. it just appears to be a bunch of lonely people of all races just yep. doing fuck all. Yeah. And then gradually they get bussed into this room and then it seems to be mostly black people with the white band. But yep. yeah. The message seems to be that, you know, we may all be trapped in our own loneliness and our own skin sometimes, but you know, when you get to the the end of the day, Yep. We've all got one thing in common, which in this case is mullets. That's true. There's a lot of mullets Just in this. Just one hundo. Like Absolutely. Black, white, Everyone's male, got a female, yep. aged. No,
0: it's just definitely. So look, I I won't cancel foreigner until I see the contract that was signed, and if I can Mm. look at that and I find out that the terms are are suitable, I just (laughs) want to make sure they were compensated. Everything's fine. I don't want it to. I don't want any (laughs) sort of exploitation. I don't want any sort of like you're doing this for free as a fake. You know, I don't want any of that sort of stuff. But I just don't know. But yeah, certainly on the bus as well, they had everyone had like a flyer that said foreigner (laughs) on it. Like they'd sort of (laughs) found it on like a phone (laughs) telephone pole or something. I mean, what's this foreigner? So it's sort of that was.
1: the equivalent of the internet in exactly 85. right
0: exactly so look yeah why cancel them look, actually maybe possibly the reverse of this possibly it's just the fact that they're they just want people to sing on their song and they just got the best singers that they could so I don't know I just don't know but certainly the bussing people in with a weird leaflet sort of look like I don't know this seems I think anytime you take a job where you found a leaflet on the side <laughs> of a telephone pole, where you like rip it off and it's got someone's <laughs> mobile number on there. Oh, you'd be it's, lucky if it's, it's foreigner.
1: If that's if the best if you, if case. You show, exactly, exactly right. If you show
0: up and it's foreigner asking you to sing on their hit single, you're in luck because usually <laughs> you, it's, it's a lot were sketchier be a, than that. A yeah. Serial killer, yeah, definitely. Um, video was directed by Brian Gibson, whose next project was Poltergeist Two: The Other Side.
1: Mm. Any similarities mm.
0: between that film and this video clip? I would say
1: the wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. A lot of earth tones. <laughs> A lot of earth tones. Casual <laughs> knitwear. A lot of casual knitwear, <laughs> definitely. Of cardigans that probably should have already left. But I would say don't cancel Foreigner, cancel. The entire fucking cast of Do They Know It's Christmas if for If you're involved in Band-Aid,
0: you're canned. Bob exactly. Geldof,
1: at least for, you know, and the Christmas bills that ring there are the clanging chimes of doom. Yeah. That's, talking it, about Africa. It's not great. It's <laughs> like, not really great, anyway, is it? Sorry. No. Yes. It's no by much. comparison to that, I want to know what love is. Masterpiece, I'm calling it. Definitely. Um, I
0: think it's pretty good. Um, 7.3 million listeners. Wow. Um, So foreigners, they've got a lot of hits. As I said, they're a hit factory with a lot in there. Um, 27 cents, which I think is a bargain,
1: considering Mm. you're going to spend 18 cents on Um, (laughs) band-aid. Any lyrical highlights? Um, Sure. Uh, Not too much. It's all pretty basic. It's, you know, expressing the theme of wanting to know what love is. But Yeah. yeah. Uh, We've got, now this mountain I must climb feels like a world upon my shoulders which is an impressively bizarre mixed metaphor, really. I mean, it's yep. a mountain you need to climb and having the world on your shoulders are kind of the same yeah. thing. But if the mountain that you have to climb is the world that's on your shoulders, then that means you're trying to carry an entire Mount Everest on your back while also trying to walk up it with your own legs. Yep. Which would be, I mean, I think that's possibly even more difficult of a task than he's actually trying to kick <laughs> Yeah, look. He might have lyrically bitten off more mountain than he could chew. I'd say
0: so, I'd say so. But look, I appreciate that people try to (laughs) get some metaphors into their songs. You know, the ones that make no sense, that's fine. You expect that's going to be the case from time to time. But look, you know, um, yeah. This is the best song so far this year. <laughs> sure. We've only had yes. two. And it's better than the first one, which sucked. Okay. Or a concept. Album, Absolutely. I think.
1: So they didn't come along that long, at least at number one. For sure. And look, I think
0: um, so this the story just really quickly, it's sort of a politically driven Cold War chess tournament, two grandmasters, an American one, and one from the Soviet Union. They fight over a woman, one falls in love with the other, etcetera, etcetera. So it sounds totally dog shit. But um, The Queen's Gambit is like the most streamed show ever on Netflix, so what the fuck do I know? Seems like this was about, what, 35 years ahead of its time? A People love Chess.
1: A friend of mine used to do dodgy-ass amateur musicals when he was at college, so yep. like 17 year, 18 year old cast, and of the musicals that I saw him in, because I was, you know, his mate, so I'd get free tickets to go and see friggin'. You know, little shop of horrors at three o'clock in an afternoon. (laughs) Good. Guys and dolls or whatever. I would say One Night in Bangkok was by far the most sort of contemporary... You saw chess that you did this. Yeah, chess, sorry. That's good. It was quite, by the standards of the other stuff, people who was musicals, it felt reasonably... You know, contemporary and a couple of the songs sounded like yeah. they might possibly have been kind of up to date, which is more than you can say for anything in guys yeah. and dolls or whatever, you know.
0: I withdraw my previous remark then Toms. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just sort of uh I guess any
1: like a chess driven film or a chess it's sort no, of like it but, it, boring. It does, but it does it's, but I guess I at, think it's just because the Abba guys were good at writing yeah. songs like it, it you know that drives the whole thing nobody cared. I couldn't really tell you what happens in the plot I just remember nah. the, the songs you know and look and I'll, this is the big number that kicks off you know part too, yep. like after you come back from the intermission, which is always the, the big because yeah. you've got to wake everyone up again who's gone to the bar, you know. And, and go, look, I'm sure back.
0: chess is just a device to sort of discuss Cold War issues, yeah. etc. Et et but I mean,
1: I don't think the characters were not especially memorable, no. you know, like so, no. yeah. And, I mean, I guess you could say it was. Yep. Yeah, kind of like the Queen's Gambit of 1984. It was. It's a,
0: this is effectively <laughs> Better Queen's music, Gambit of less 85. memorable
1: eyeball spacing.
0: Exactly right. So Murray Head gets all the credit for this, but he, just, he does the rap verses. Um, he's not a great rapper. No. Um, he's actually, no, I'd, he's I'd say, a terrible rapper, but he's credited for this. Um, the actual chorus part, the one not in Bangkok bit, is sung by a different guy, um, a Swedish guy, um, Anders Glenmark. So he doesn't get any credits
1: on this. Is he you know? one of, he's not one of the ABBA guys? I don't think is he, he no? is. No, okay. but there should be like a so you know it's a real like group the, this
0: day and age, it'd be you know Nicki Minaj featuring Justin yes. Bieber. This guy yeah. he doesn't even get a feature on this. It's it's pretty that, upset. That's actually
1: a recurring theme through here. There's a lot of yeah. people
0: taking the credit for. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Murrayhead's done fuck all since this, but um, <laughs> good on him for having one hit at least. So that's okay. Um, I just want to turn um, your attention. I know you've got. Um, Your classical lyrics No
1: please Go go ahead
0: I just wanted to Like obviously um, So the the, One night in Bangkok And the world's your oyster The bars are temples But the pearls aren't free You'll find a god In every cloister And if you're lucky Then the gods are she Now (laughs) Some people May say that this Is transphobic it's a bit um, hangover too, isn't it? It is, yeah. And look, obviously, you know, we're looking at 1985 through a 2021 lens. Um, but I don't really think that it is transphobic. I think it just shows that Murray Head's not willing to embrace a different culture, which is what travelling's all about, <laughs> sure. really, isn't it? You know, it's a, it's he appears to be disrespecting the culture. So, look, I know that um, in in Australia, if you go to say, I don't know, the saloon bar in Launceston, Tom, and you meet somebody um, and, you know, you strike up a conversation, you go home with that person, you become intimate, you know, things could happen. In Thailand, you know, same thing, obviously, (laughs) you meet someone, you have a conversation, but, you know, there is, uh, Thailand has, and and look, I don't want to offend anyone here, I know that in the past people have used the term ladyboy, I assume that's offensive in 2021. I honestly don't know. Kat Aoi, I can't pronounce that correctly Kat Aoi, I looked it up I don't know whether that's offensive but oh,
1: Okay
0: um, so approximately 1 million um Kat Aoi in Thailand so that's hmm. quite a lot so I think there's just your there's there's a more of a chance that you may meet somebody um, yes. who is, I guess, we probably refer to as transgender, but I don't really know whether in Thailand it's the same sort of thing, it's a little bit different, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's a more big prominent. part of their
1: culture, yeah. Absolutely. I would say I was there a couple of years ago and they were calling themselves ladyboys, as yeah, far as okay. I remember so I'm going to assume that that's it's, I'm going it's to, fine Yeah, <laughs>
0: I, I don't want to get the terminology wrong if I've offended anyone I
1: apologise it for probably that, is offensive but I might probably prob- end up might saying be. that at some point so don't but the, be offended. but the point
0: is I think that you know to, to say that Murray Head um, you know he's saying something he shouldn't be I think look, no it's
1: more about just stereotyping a country than being generally absolutely. offensive he's not going after Thailand he's no, just no, he's no. just saying all the cliched stuff about Thailand you know? of course of course and like look, these 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 same stereotypes were used in The Hangover 2, which came out, what, six years exactly. ago? Exactly. Something, so it's this that same lazy stuff about sure. toilet.
0: But I think it just shows that Murray Head really... is just unadventurous, I think. Oh, yes. You go to Thailand, you meet someone, <laughs> they have a penis, you didn't think they would. It's just part and parcel of travel. It's mm. part of the experience of travel to Thailand. It's just like going to the Grand Palace or a food market. It happens from time to time. So when he says, if you're lucky... The gods are she. I think, you know, he's he's misunderstanding the whole point of travelling. Why go travelling? You know, if you're not willing to accept different cultures, different practices, etc. You just
1: say, look, I'm sorry, I thought this bar was a temple. And I'm sorry I took all those pearls. I thought they were free. Like there was a bowl of pearls on the bar. But now I realise that, you know, I'm in some sort of weird...
0: Exactly.
1: Temple. Exactly. Imagined, which is gold for some reason. Yeah, but, well, the know. lyrics don't make a lot of sense, but um, <laughs> they or, yeah. sort of, they sort of do. They, they make do. more sense than than the, 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 we are the world <laughs> or, the world. or it's, do they know it's Christmas? Sorry. So yeah, <laughs> sure.
0: absolutely. Um, and other lyric: "One night in Bangkok makes a hard man humble."
1: Hmm. I mean, oh, yeah, that could go several ways too, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Is it because if you're a man, you, look, you, you're going to see a lot of penises in Thailand. Is that what's going to happen? So I'm, you may be humbled. You may be a hard man. Yes. I, do they mean erection here? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> and then you're going to see a lot
1: of this and you're going to be like, I'm humbled by the, size the quality the and quantity of <laughs> erections that I'm seeing. I'm not sure. I, I think the reason, like speaking of, by you know, there's no lyric thing, like you've already talked about them, but I think what I used to find confusing about this song is that... Uh, if you listen to it without seeing it in the musical even if you do see it in the musical in the musical the song is sort of or on the concept album the song is framed as an interview with one of the players which is why there's different vocalists and it sort of sounds like someone having an argument with themselves like the song seems to be sort of like simultaneously complaining about a bunch of seedy Thailand cliches as you've just done there Yep. but then also simultaneously complaining that um all the tourists do is go out and slot it up, whereas we are above that. But then also complaining that all we do then is play chess and you miss out on going out into all these interesting cities and then it lists off a bunch of cities. And, yeah, so it's not – I always thought it was confusing because I just assumed it's like one person talking, but obviously, yeah, it's really – it's having an argument with themselves, which is why it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I
0: guess once it's taken out of the context of the musical... Yes, you know, or a an and ABBA
1: lead singer's concept album and then three other dudes get yep. involved. Oh, what I like... found interesting about it, though, yep. is that uh, One Night in Bangkok is also the name of a 2003 album by a German thrash metal band, Sodom. Oh, good. And, yeah, unfortunately <laughs> it doesn't feature a cover of the song One Night uh, in Bangkok, no. but it does feature uh, Sodomy and Lust, The Sore is Law, Eat Me and Sodomised. Oh, <laughs> so, good. you know... I, be, uh, eat Me has an exclamation mark Just oh, in case good, you good, good, confused. good but, yeah. I, I wasn't sure So absolutely. I'm assuming it sounds probably a lot like this but, Oh, it would yeah. be very, very similar Just with a slightly heavier Sodom Definitely, I think side, side by side you would be hard to tell them <laughs> apart,
0: I'd say But um, look, I, I like this one I think the chorus is pretty catchy What's
1: your favourite Sodom song?
0: Oh, uh, eat me. <laughs> eat me! With an exclamation mark, I think, is, is definitely
1: one of the finest. So, Invitation or threat or both, who can say? Uh, anyway. Absolutely. Kind of made me want to listen to Sodom. Then I saw their logo and I was like, <laughs> did a 12-year-old draw this? What
0: I think they this? did, yeah.
1: Okay, sorry. Enough <laughs> no, no, no. about one night in Bangkok
0: and sodomy. Yeah. Um, 600,000 listeners still check out Murray Head. Jeez, really? A month, yep. God and he's God, only got Murray. this one song, so people must be listening to this. Um 24 cents So Overpriced Pretty good deal (laughs) Very much overpriced Um So yeah One week for that Next 25th of March Also one week Tears for fears Shout Mmm Wow What do you reckon Look I think this one's pretty sick Um Me too It features I think this is one of the better ones this year If not the best one Um it does feature, I think, in the video clip, one of the finest guitar solos around because um, it's one of the members of Tears for Fears just standing on the edge of a cliff um, wearing uh, a trench coat.
1: The old edge of a cliff. Yeah.
0: I don't think there's anything tougher <laughs> or like more rad than doing a guitar solo on the edge of a cliff. Mm. Um, I say this is one of the best, but not the best because... Um, Guns N' Roses, Slash Ooh, it's hard in to Don't Cry. Yes. Um, that where he drives a car very fast. He's having an argument with his girlfriend <laughs> in the car and he says, fuck this argument, I can't be bothered dealing with this. So he just drives the car off the edge of a cliff, wow. killing himself and his girlfriend in the process as the car explodes at the bottom of the cliff. Yet in the cutscene, <laughs> Slash is standing at the top of the cliff where Ooh. he'd just driven the car off, and then he rips out a solo <laughs> on the top of the cliff and then throws his guitar off the cliff into, I <laughs> uh, assume, the flaming car where he just died. Yeah. So, um, obviously... It's hard to beat Hard back. to beat that. Explosion ghost solo, truly. Oh, definitely, definitely, <sighs> definitely. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the best. Um, but yeah, I like this one just because it does also involve a cliff mm. and a trench coat, which is pretty sweet. Um, Look, I like Tears for Fears Um, Me too I I think this album um, Songs from the Big Chair This is a hit Obviously Everybody Wants to Rule the World That's another one that people like Um, Head Over Heels um, I actually Mm. At at my wedding um, My wife walked down the aisle To the first 30 seconds Of head over here it's a good
1: 30 seconds i listened to it yeah i saw that
0: definitely so i think it's a good intro it's a good song obviously that song featured in donnie darko i think as well when uh, he sort of jumps off the back of a bus Mm. it's in slow-mo sort of sees his love interest so um so that was pretty cool as well um so yeah Mm -hmm. chose that one for the wedding um i could have chosen the bridal chorus from richard wagner but it wasn't a (laughs) neo-nazi wedding so i had to (laughs) refrain from that but uh, alas... If anyway. only you'd
1: hung out a few more years, you could have had that neo-Nazi wedding you'd always dreamt oh, of. Oh, exactly.
0: Exactly right. So... But yeah. Um, I think this is a good song. Just go check it out on YouTube. Um,
1: yeah. Any, yeah, that's, that's probably all I can video say. Video-wise, I mean, yeah, it's another one-two mullet punch, you know, from <laughs> the boys here, Absolutely. Followed by a 26-hit combo from every single other person in the music video. Like, yeah. I just... I mean, truly, like... This is one of the... A little bit like The your Foreigner. It's kind of a video about, you know, a bunch of lonely people getting together in a room to sing the same song with, yep. you know, the band. Um, obviously, there's an enormous amount of smoke drifting through the room, you know. every Yeah, it's the 80s after all. But I just can't help but feel that the 80s was just such a weirdly flattering decade in the sense that everybody just looked like total arse Like, it was just democratic. You could be, even if you were, like, 20 kilos overweight, to be an extra in a music video, you just could wear just an all-elasticated sort of polyester parachute ensemble, put a (laughs) pastel cardigan over the top, then a trench coat, and then some sort of weird beret, like, you know, it's not really. Like, people remember the 80s as being all crazy fashion, but mostly with just people looking like complete balls. Even yeah. beautiful rich people like Lady Di looked like your grandma's armchair. Like, it's just such a weird, <laughs> it's a weird decade for fashion.
0: Yeah, I mean, you do watch the music videos from this era and you do realize that everyone was just wearing a, a really a nice knit. Oh, sort of yes. jumper Casual Sports so. casual
1: We were all Lionel Richie In the 80s Absolutely right uh, On their album The Sickness uh, Disturbed Covered this song In the year oh. 2000 As Shout 2000 Uh <laughs> I Gave the quick list, and if pressed, I'd probably describe it as down with the shitness <laughs> if I had to. Uh, this has also been sampled in 59 other songs, God, like including them. The Magnificent Jazzy Jeff by Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Cars and Sex by the Notorious B.I.G., and Poker Party by Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, Lyrics-wise, I won't go into it too much. Like I really don't you know, have any ideas what's going on here. It seems to be... In the kind of, you know, the great British tradition of, like, songs which sort of vaguely sound like they're either complaining about your school that your parents made you go to, the shitty town that you grew up in, yep. or, you know, the fact that people gave you the stank eye when you went to the pub when you were young, something like that, yep. you know. Or yeah. the entire political system, uh, <laughs> it's hard to know. <laughs> yes, some of yes, some sort of vague <laughs> melange of just growing up in, you know, yep. a place where it rains way too much, Yeah. Uh, Yeah, those one-track minds that took you for a working boy, kiss them goodbye, you shouldn't have to jump for joy. I agree, you know, you shouldn't have to jump for joy, although if they jumped off that cliff in any outfit from this video, you would just float gently to the bottom of the cliff. Absolutely right. Another mark for 80s fashion there. You know, yeah, for sure. I mean, what the they coat. lost in flammability, they made up for in you know <laughs> certainly Mary Poppins drifting to the ground if you fell off. Yeah, a trench coat often doubled as a parachute. I mm. so and then underneath was... the trench coat, you were wearing parachute pants yeah, as well. Exactly. You know, so.
0: sort of it's all about reducing your resistance <laughs> on the way down, so that you know your velocity is such that you just sort of glide into <laughs> the water glided. once you get to the bottom. Yeah, that's right. Definitely. So tears for fears, uh, seven point nine million Spotify oh, listeners and a that month. 32 cents for this. I think that's a deal. Pick that one up, I think. Good stuff. Yeah, um, I'd buy the whole album for that. It's a corker. You absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah.
1: That's Ooh, a positive. That's yes. a positive.
0: We've got a positive mm. one there after <laughs> one or two shitters. But it's all right. Um, oh, up next, on one week again, Jim Diamond. <laughs> I should have known better. <laughs> now, I don't... I, I honestly... Thought to myself, I've never heard this song before in <laughs> my life. I just, I, I was like, "What the fuck? Who is this guy? What is this? I don't know." Put it onto YouTube, and then a bit comes on. He goes, <tra Immerthouch> ts- ä- <psy>؟ <porridge> <Trendünüzania> "Shoulda known better," and then I realised I had heard it. <laughs> but it still wasn't very good I don't know
1: I had a similar experience except then I watched it thinking surely I've heard of this and I genuinely had never heard this bloody song <laughs> yeah. so it was a new one to me so yeah what did you, what did you make of it from your?
0: oh look it's not very good um <laughs> Jim Diamond, prior to this, was in um, an electro-pop band called Ph.D. Oh,
1: Um, okay. I thought he was in one episode of EastEnders
0: because that's what he looks like. (laughs) So, absolutely. Ph.D. also sucked. um, And they had (laughs) one song which was apparently a hit that I listened to that was no good. Um... And he had another hit after this... Well, I say a hit. He had a song called Hi-Ho Silver, which I had also listened to on YouTube but never heard before in my life. And that was apparently the TV theme tune um, for a show called Boone, which I gather was a David Boone show. (laughs) I don't know for sure. Um, Dedication. Probably probably quite big in Scotland, I gather. Um, So, yeah, this this is not very good. I don't have a lot to say about it. Um, This is, I guess... In the year 2021 The way that you can judge how good a song is Is if you walk into an IGA This is usually my sort of test um, And you know If you go into the IGA enough times Or any supermarket for that matter Over the course of a year You know you're going to hear a Phil Collins song You're Mm going to hear Tears for Fears Sure, You're going to hear that hear Foreigner You'll hear Foreigner, you'll eventually hear these songs because, you know, they're popular, depending on the radio station, obviously, but these sort of supermarkets tend to play the sort of best of the 80s, 90s type stuff. But having gone into supermarkets for my entire life, I've never heard this song (laughs) once in a supermarket, (laughs) never will they play it, because I just don't think it's very good. Um,
1: Yes, I I see what you mean. There's a weird... You would think that anything that came number one in any country... Just on the balance of probabilities. it would end up just being part of your sort of greatest hits of the dot, 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 you know. But yeah, there are some things that were not good enough for that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, Interestingly, in 2011, Diamond teamed up with um, other Scottish musicians to raise money for charity, um, including guys from Wet, Wet, Wet and The Proclaimers. So that sounds like just an absolute (laughs) dream combo that um, I'll be checking that album out. Um, ASAP, I've not done it yet because I don't have time obviously but um, this song made it to number one and interestingly Jim Diamond um, requested the general public not to buy this single yeah. because he preferred them to buy Do They Know It's Christmas instead for charity So <laughs> That's a good sentiment It you know? is a good sentiment but I think what it shows is that Even though this song is bad, Do They Know It's Christmas is so bad that even with Jim Diamond saying don't buy this song, people were still at the Woolworths or whatever shop they were. They had both in their hands. (laughs) You know, which one do I buy? Jim Diamond or Do They Know It's Christmas? And for this one week in particular, they Mm. chose Jim Diamond. Sure. Which just shows how shit that other song is. Um, 250,000 listeners on Spotify. That's surprisingly high I don't know Yeah, I'm cr- not sure Ridiculously high You can get this for 9 cents
1: um, That's a bit more Like what I was probably expecting I think that might Is that is our first Single digit oh, I think it is I Yeah think I think it's it's that so. might be
0: The first one First single digit
1: But yeah Anything to say about this um, one Tom? The video clip belongs to that Particular I think I think it kept going Through the 90s But it's a very 80s genre Video clip Which is Video clip that attempts to have a narrative, but wherein they really couldn't afford much more than the studio time they were already paying for. So what they do is they try and make the narrative centre around the studio where conveniently (laughs) the song is being recorded. We're all in the studio. So then the main character is like the sound engineer. And you keep thinking, hang on, is the sound engineer the singer? As well. like, oh no, that's just some guy they've hired to pretend to be the sound engineer who's now going to go off and pretend to be in love with some cheeky season, a bus or something like yep. that. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway, the really only interesting thing about it is that um, in the video, Jimmy is sporting the very rare featherweight micro mullet, <laughs> nice. which is basically male pattern baldness combined with an iron flat rat's tail. <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> if you couldn't think, if you couldn't decide mullet or rat's tail in the 80s, you yeah. could always iron it flat. And, now, is uh,
0: featherweight micro? Micro mullet, is that a phrase that you've
1: coined? Is that, is that copyrighted? <laughs> I'm, that... I'm coining that. It's good, good. good. Sure. Good, good. <laughs> uh, it's a rare one to be spotted in the wild. Uh, lyrics wise, uh, man, and I should have known better, to lie to one as beautiful as you. The entire song is just a guy complaining about how he fucked around with his girlfriend and she dumped him and won't forgive him, which barely seems to warrant even a pity group, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you throw in the weird anorexic mullet as well. I think that's quite enough about yeah, dim diamonds. Yeah, this is. one's pretty poor, and um, as you mentioned, Tom, the the in studio video
0: clip certainly shows either a real lack of budget or a lack of creativity, yeah, or both. Because um, there's a lot of them in the '80s. You see, it's just like we're just fucking around the studio. <laughs> but as you mentioned, this one has a storyline as well, which makes no sense.
1: Yes, it's or I think. It's already happened in one of these videos. I just can't remember which one. I Yeah, anyway. Oh, if it pops up again, I'll make it. Certainly. An
0: look, Foreigner had a bit of an in-studio action <laughs> earlier, but yeah, they all seem to. Um, so that was just one week. Um, moving on to 8th of April for nine weeks. Um, USA for Africa, we are the world. Okay, yes. Um, look, let's just cut to the chase.
1: This sucks shit. It's, um, yeah, it's balls This was the follow, follow the, on yep. from This was the subsequent This was America going Hey, we can do that yep. as
0: well Yeah, if we didn't make it clear before um, Yeah, Do They Know It's Christmas Was a distinctly UK production yes. Obviously with, with Bob Geldof, etc, uh, etc cetera, et cetera. So then,
1: yeah Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie went Hey, we can fucking do Literally exactly the same thing We'll get yep. a bunch of celebs We'll write one God Awful single, yep. and then we'll tell everyone to buy it for people in Africa.
0: Absolutely. Um, look, this is, this one's seven minutes long. At least... Oh, uh, do they know it's Christmas? Heck. I forgot it was that Had one. sort of the, you know... At least they had... They realised the song was shitty and they kept it <laughs> under seven minutes. Whereas these guys are just like, let's just make it as long as possible. Now, just really quick, let's have a look who's on this thing. Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder, Paul Simon, Kenny Rogers... Billy Joel, Tina Turner, Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, uh, Willie Nelson, Bruce Springsteen, Kenny Loggins, wow. Steve Perry, Daryl Hall, Huey Lewis, Cindy Lauper. That's all doing the uh, the verses, and then the chorus. Bob Dylan, sorry, Bob Dylan and Ray Charles um, also featured on the song. And then there was a bunch of other people in the chorus: Bette Midler, Smokey Robinson, <laughs> The
1: Pointer Sisters, Latoya Jackson, Bob Geldof, <laughs> Sheila E. Uh, the weirdest one, sorry, yep. is uh, right up the back, you can spot Dan Aykroyd, and they <laughs> yeah. asked him about that once in an interview, and he was like, I honestly don't even know why, I was going to an appointment with someone, and I was at the studio that day, and they just said, like, you know, his, my manager just said, do you want to ask if you can be in that, because it might be pop?' and was like, alright, and they they're like, yeah, go and stand the Awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> it's One fantastic. half of the fucking like, Blues Brothers It's also <laughs> out, of out of character. Out of character. And this is before the film, I think, as well. So, yeah, anyway. For sure. <laughs> now,
0: look, looking at all the people I just read out, so I think in terms of the talent, and by talent, I mean the, the quantity of people on there. Oh, obvious, yes. And obviously, there's a lot of people that have had a lot of it's hits there. It's quantity over songs. quality. Yeah, so the, the the talent to quality of song ratio... Um, it must be the lowest of any song in the history of recording. music. I reckon music. you might be onto something there. I think the I... only... So, there's probably one song, I think, Tom, <laughs> that can rival it. What's that? Um, the only song that can rival that is um, in 2010, We Are the World for Haiti. Oh Love for God. Haiti. Yes, when they did a follow-up um, then. And the reason is that that had more people on it than oh this did God, oh um, it team. had a rap verse in it oh um, there was auto-tune because T-Pain was in there, there so he auto-tune. did like an auto-tune We Are The World yeah. um, and it was worse than this <laughs> so more people involved and a shittier song and that went for like 10 minutes I think they made uh, it like even longer mumbled. so the only song worse than this is the follow-up <laughs> I would say in terms of that ratio but yeah
1: sure And, of course, despite all that, it was a massive success. It was the first single to go quadruple platinum ever. Mm. Uh, It generated, like, this plus the Haiti one generated $100 million for charity, you know, in total over that time. Yep. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, this is, I'm sure people thought this was bad, even at the time. They must have thought this was arse. And the previous one as well. But... Like, you buy, yeah, it, you I buy mean, it for the cause, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it's, like, you know, it's what we're going to have to call Bono Syndrome, you know, which is that sort of weird cognitive dissonance caused by someone doing something unequivocally noble and worthy, but just doing it in a very irritating and self-serving way. Absolutely. You know, like...
0: Look I respect Prince Prince went You want to be on this He said fuck no Um, (laughs) Prince I think Is one of the few people That went I don't want to be Involved in this At all So Massive respect to that dude I've always (laughs) respected Prince More so for turning this down He just went Oh look I'll write a song and I'll just donate it to you guys you can put it on like the B-side or like the soundtrack or whatever it is. Yes. And people went, oh, thanks, Prince. That's nice. But of course, remember, this is a guy that had written like a thousand songs. True. Like yes. So I probably just reached into the back yeah. catalog
1: and went, oh, there you go. Take so anything. it conveniently means he doesn't have to share a stage with anyone, let alone 400 other dudes more famous than him. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um...
0: Look, last year, Lionel Richie threatened to do another version for COVID-19 relief. I swear to God, Lionel, Um, you get back in your box, chocolate. Yeah, look, this is a rumour that, well, he directly said he was thinking of doing it. Um, Didn't materialise, let's hope it never does, but um, yeah, I don't
1: know. Oh, no, you've just made me start thinking. No one's done a COVID charity thing yet, have they? There's still room for some horribly embarrassing... Oh, there's still
0: time. There's still time. And if if it's, we are the world... Or do they know it's Christmas 2021? <laughs> um, look, I'd be happy if someone tried to write a new song. Um, not so much because I think we need it, but just because this is so bad, uh, and it's the other one is pretty, is pretty terrible, bad as isn't well. it? Um, and also, it was written by an alleged pedophile. <laughs> mm, yeah, just to throw. That <laughs> so in we bit. are the world, we are the children. It's like, well, yeah, geez, <laughs> imagine
1: know. the rap. Imagine the combined rap sheet of those fifty. <laughs> bloody oh, yeah. um, reprobate dr- drug and alcohol using Absolutely. people arranged in that studio imagine how long that would be yeah
0: <laughs> pretty bad pretty bad um <laughs> the canadians though i respect them um tears are not enough by the northern lights that was a group of canadians who got together they
1: oh, did a song sure. for the
0: album um look at this i'm talking brian adams I'm talking John Candy. Is he even a musician? (laughs) He's not. I don't know. Was there any singing in Uncle Buck? I don't think so. Joni Mitchell and Paul Schaefer from the uh, CBS CBS Orchestra. The unfunniest man alive, I think. So that um, was their version. of. So yeah, so good on them. That made it so... Imagine
1: if Australia had done one at this time. Oh, goodness, ostentatious man. Billy Birmingham uh, you know half the guys from Dragon yeah
0: one um, of the guys from the Choir Boys and uh, <laughs> Gary, Gary, Gary Gary Beers, Beers. yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs>
1: snap it would have been
0: that's that would be fantastic so look it's not too late for any of those guys um, obviously Michael Hutchins can't be involved but they might just do um, you know get sure. him involved via some sort of I don't know technology I guess like they did when they had the two pack um, sort of mm. hologram, perhaps we can have that—a yep. Hutchins hologram with Gary Gary Beers for Some- COVID. COVID. For COVID. So, yeah, look forward to that. Um, I'll start writing the song and I'll send it through to, uh, you know, I know people, you know people, Tom. Let's get that happening. So, um, 1.1 million people uh, a month listen to this on Spotify. That's disturbing. That is disturbing. That's, that's probably one of the most disturbing things I've heard this year. Um, you can get that for 26 cents, which I think is paying way over the odds, but, you know, maybe you want it for. I don't know, like a, give it to someone for Christmas that you hate. <laughs> There's someone you despise in your family. It's yeah, you take this. Um, or give the 26 cents to a charity for Africa,
1: that's maybe. Tr- that's probably
0: better, I think. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Um, any lyrical highlights? There well, truly <laughs> are I mean, really. Like, even trying to find stuff. You can t- tell that this was written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie because it becomes very apparent when you hear the mixture of sort of bland pabulum and a weird focus on Jesus and children without understanding any of it. Like, yep. uh, I mean, for instance, uh, none of it's interesting, but there's one line, what have we got? Um, as God has shown us, by turning stone to bread, we must all lend a helping hand. Yeah, uh, That doesn't happen in the Bible. God doesn't turn stone to bread. Yeah. So it's not enough that you're starving to death in sub-Saharan Africa. You have to listen to this horseshit as well. But, yep. yeah, I mean we are kind of acting like people Individually went around and played this song To people in Ethiopia I, I, I only hope that they didn't <laughs> no. further That the aid workers Took mercy on people and went Okay give us the money but we're not Playing them this ass
0: oh, Exactly I mean starving hunger World hunger starvation It's obviously something that Is not pleasant for people that just Are unable to get enough food for their you know subsistence and to survive But to add up insult to injury, play yes. this song to them as well. It's just like... Oh,
1: also, low-key reminding people that God could turn stone to bread if he wanted to, but he's not doing it for you, cunts. That's, he just wants you to start. That's true. That's, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's just a lack
0: of respect from God, really. I don't know. but <laughs> um, Yeah, look, it's interesting. I think the other one was um, Do They Know It's Christmas, particularly for Ethiopia, I'm not sure, was this because um, it's USA for Africa for you know did I don't know whether the money was more widespread or what they did but
1: well that was always the question is yeah. what actually happened to the money i think that's what a lot of people like Wumba argued about yeah. which was that they didn't really do anything to address address the underlying political problems and a lot of the money went to E.g. one group of people with guns who were fighting another group of people with guns and True. so forth, and most of the money got spent on guns instead of food. Yeah, but, well, know. that
0: was something that, yeah, just doing research for not this song, but certainly do they know it's Christmas, that, yeah, a lot of the, the funds that were raised by um, Band-Aid, yeah, it ultimately went to, effectively, I guess, the, the leaders of Ethiopia at the time who... As you said, did use that money just to fight their enemies, effectively, and were
1: responsible for for the the famine in the first first place, place. exactly
0: by destroying crops, etc. So, um, so in in some ways, Bob Geldof actually, um, I guess. Reduce the food supply In some ways So I think he we say He's cancelled as well For he's, being a
1: war criminal <laughs> Oh he's a war criminal <laughs> And for writing Do they know it's Christmas like, That's a one two Punch at the Hague You're not yeah, getting out of that one exactly The
0: Hague Bull. would say You've written the worst song Of all time mm-hmm. And the funds went to a warlord to right. To actually destroy crops That could have <laughs> gone To feeding people So sure. Yep Third well, strike you're of out of genocide but, uh, yeah. Who forgot next <laughs> Two weeks um, Eurythmics mm. Would I lie to you She's got a rad voice She does Look, Annie Lennox does have a very good voice um, I like this song because There's a lot of leather in it In the video clip Everyone's wearing
1: leather <laughs> Sure, I didn't um,
0: watch that but... Oh, there's a lot of fucking leather So effectively The the video clip Annie Lennox um, She's in the I guess the green room backstage Ready to go on stage Bit of a fight You know With a lover She's sure. wearing leather. She gets up on stage, sings this song. The other member of the rhythmics is also wearing leather. Everyone, I think, all the backing band <laughs> is wearing leather. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's a rock song, but it has a horn section. And mm-hmm. I think that um, that's something that you don't see as much these days in the 80s. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, oh, last time yeah. I saw that was probably on The Commitments. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they still do this anymore.
1: But, yeah, good, good. I like oh, this a, one? Oh, there's a song... I'm um, jumping ahead of myself. Yep. But you're completely right. Like, it's just, it's almost gone out of fashion. I mean, it totally has gone out of fashion. Maybe mm. it'll come back in, you know, one day. But, like, yep. saxophone particularly was massive oh, yeah. during this era. And, like, I was listening to, um, I hadn't heard it for, like, I don't know how long, a decade. It was it was close to number one this year. It was uh, Glenn Free. Ex-member of the Eagles Yep Uh, The Heat Is On Like Frey, and I listened to that And I was like I remember loving the song When I was a kid I wonder how it holds up now And I listened to it And I was like Without the saxophone There really isn't any song here Like that sax And that saxophonist Might not have even been In the band It's probably just some Session musician It's actually a lady With an enormous mullet Of course Yeah But um, a she mullet Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, without that saxophone hook, there is no song. The rest of it's nah. just him kind of feebly crapping on about some The heaters you know, on, it's on the street button. Some, some vague all that metaphor about nothing. Yeah, there's no real yeah, it's yeah.
0: Absolutely. So think...
1: why not bring that back, you know? It's another string to your bow, you yeah. know. You're Nicki Minaj, you can't write your own music. Exactly. Instead of just bring sampling Yeah, instead of sampling eighties songs, just you know, get a saxophone player. In.
0: Absolutely, I think that's... farting
1: into a trumpet or yeah, something. That's completely
0: true. Bring the saxophone back. Bring back a horn, a full horn section. Bruce horns, been an, in an the eight range to ten here. piece horn section for all <laughs> bands. I think it's probably should be mandatory. Maybe the government. Mm, I mean, I know full that... full symphonic brass orchestra.
1: Oh look, I with think, the tuba and yeah, the French
0: horn. Definitely, COVID has is hurt the industry a lot. So I think how do we how do we employ in, yeah, more people? We make sure every band has to have that eight to ten person brass section. As I mentioned, they all get paid. You know, it's going to cost four hundred dollars to go and see a live band because there's a lot of people to pay. But, but we're going to rejuvenate the industry, so mm. it'll be worth it. Um, look, obviously, Eurythmics had a lot of hits. I think, obviously, probably you know this one, um, "Sweet Dreams," um, one of their yep. other big hits. Obviously, um, and less so, "Sex Crime" from the uh, from the 1984 soundtrack. <laughs>
1: Mm. I so, mean, it's a topical
0: title. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so what's interesting is that they wrote a lot of songs. I think they did the whole soundtrack for the 1984 film. Um, Which film? The film 1984. Oh, uh, the, okay. So the George oh, right. Orwell sorry, <laughs> adaptation of, of, his, of his book. Yeah. So made the film, they did the music, but apparently yeah. the director hated their music so much... That um, when it was released, he just replaced it with a uh, with a score, just oh. a regular score. Oh, that's and sad. they were like, ah, so there you go. So they went to all this time and effort.
1: So hang on, are you. T- I. It sounds too obvious, but I never actually thought that there was a film of 1984 and that it was released in 1984. I don't know whether it was released in 1984. It was. There's
0: definitely a film. Okay. Um,
1: I think it may. Well, I missed uh, their chance.
0: Then. Yeah. <laughs> they they pro- I, I hope it was released in 1984. <laughs> Um, Sorry,
1: of course they would have made a film with that. I should have thought of that.
0: Yeah, definitely. So Maybe before my time. So. Um... Check out Sex
1: Crime if you like.
0: Uh, <laughs> Eurythmics. Oh, and the song as well. And I you should like... look
1: the song up too, Wallace. It...
0: Yeah, so it was released in '94. <sighs> so there, I you mean, go. there you go. So that's good. So yeah. Anyway, so that's another piece of their work that you might not be familiar with. Sure, Jumping I know they were
1: huge. They were still oh, playing definitely. them on the radio when I was younger. Like you know, they were still big in the '90s. You know, they had plenty of songs. Absolutely. Walking on broken glass. What else? Dave Stewart did the song. Did um, Lara's Lyra's theme? Did he? No. He did a uh, Twin Peaks adjacent oh, song that was big. Okay. Yeah. I think that was him. Yeah. Okay. They were they were huge. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's
0: good. Um, 7.9 million Spotify listeners a month. That's to be expected. Yeah. Yeah. They're a big act. They've got a lot of songs. 16 cents for this. I think you can do a lot worse than that. That's good. Um, any lyrical highlights?
1: Um. Sure. Uh, my friends know what's in store. I won't be here anymore. I've packed my bags. I've cleaned the floor. Um, just wanted to say, you know, it's another sort of 80s thing. As a kid, I always wondered why every pop song from like 1959, well into the 90s, involves people talking about what their friends think about their behaviour. Yeah. You know? I, what will they think? Yeah, they I think? always thought that was weird. Like, my, fr- yeah. Okay, so you think of a dude lying to her, so she's leaving, and daring him to think that she's lying about it. You know, that's a nice little sort of juxtaposition there. Like, yeah. But the My Friends Know What's In Store just makes it sound like, you know, my friends are already rolling their eyes because they're going to have to hear me crapping on about this for three months while I sleep on their couch. Yeah. You know? And it also sort of slightly punctuates the feminist strength of the song if you clean the floor before you leave. <laughs> okay. You <laughs> know what yeah. I mean? Maybe you should have gone with, pack my bags, took a dump on the floor. Yeah, absolutely. Or, I, I, th- you know, look, I think that would, would have been better, but
0: look, I don't know. You can't rewrite these songs now. To no, they're, they're no, sadly. There. If someone does a cover of it, they <laughs> might want to think about rearranging the lyrics to fit more to a contemporary theme, which mm. may involve taking a dump on the floor. Completely agree. Uh, look, yeah, this is a good one. Good
1: song. Enjoyed it. By 1985 standards, this is gold. <laughs> absolutely. Gold.
0: Gold, Jerry. Two weeks there. Up next... Um, for four weeks 24th of June for four weeks Madonna um, Angel slash Into the Groove this is a double A side
1: oh okay I only listened to one of them Mm -hmm. look
0: Into the Groove um, I'm familiar for with for my mind not is not familiar with Angel no no Into the Groove they, they made a video clip for that one I think but not the other one so okay, I okay. think it's yeah double A side this one's weird Into the Groove for me is the best Madonna song um, Fight Me if you don't <laughs> <laughs> sure, no. No. Okay, you no. can <laughs> have it <It's laughs> right. <That's> fine, no. <laughs> I like this one um, yeah it's pretty yeah look it's a good song um, I quite enjoy that one um, but yeah look we, we know about Madonna um, look you, you placated Madonna fans earlier by having some facts. So that was okay. sure. I was like, I was going to throw no, some in now. bring
1: it out. I'm much less familiar with these. Did you, know,
0: did you know Madonna is not her full name? She also has <laughs> a last name as well. Um, um, you know. I didn't do any more research. I don't know what the last name is, but she does have one. Um, that's, that's the only fact I had, so sorry. But... Madonna
1: is not her real name, though, is it? Of course.
0: Oh, it is. It is her real name. It's her real first name. Apparently. Really? It's apparently it's her birth name.
1: Yeah,
0: definitely. So parents wow, okay. parents set her up for fame. So yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Or I mean, she. You can also. She's also known as Mrs. Sean Penn, I guess, <laughs> or, or Mrs. Guy Ritchie, perhaps, Madonna, so. Louise, uh, Ciccone. Ciccone. Okay. So there you go. Absolutely. Um. So yeah. Look, I think after last week's success of reading out quotes from the sex book. I think I've got one more, Oh, please. Um,
1: <laughs> it's the gift. As I said, I could, I could just read out Wikipedia, sort of Wikipedia, but that's
0: sort of boring. I think it's better to just let Madonna speak for herself. So um, here we go. Sex with a young can be fun if you're in the mood. If you're feeling impatient or you feel like you want someone else to take charge, do not have sex with someone inexperienced. But it can be really arousing. One of the best experiences I ever had was with a teenage boy. I think he was a virgin. He hardly had any pubic hair. He was Puerto Rican. He was uncircumcised. He lived in my building and used to come over to my apartment all the time and just watch me put on my makeup and get ready to go out. Asks a few questions. (laughs) He hung around me all the time. He never went to school, so I started giving him reading assignments. I'd have him read out loud, like Henry Miller's The Tropic of Cancer or something really arousing. Whenever he got ready to leave, he'd kiss me goodbye, but the kisses started getting more and more daring on the part, and I just went with it. Then one day, his parents kicked him out of his apartment. He wanted to know if he could spend the night at my house. I told him he could, but I only had one bed. So we both got in it and I couldn't sleep. So I had sex with him and it was really awesome because he was young and in one of it all. He was fearless. He would do anything. He wasn't very big. He was just a baby. See, I'm not a size queen, but it was excellent. He went down on me and I think I had an orgasm in two seconds. I was so turned on, it was probably the most erotic sex I ever had. Mm. But... He gave me crabs. That's what you get. You win some,
1: you lose some. Uh, that now, didn't this, happen. This I raises, none of that happened. This raises a lot of <laughs> questions. Let's, I hope that didn't happen.
0: <laughs> is it okay to have sex with someone who's underage, who's a teenager, if as a result you get crabs? Is that punishment fit for the crime? <laughs> Is that sort of. Sure, well, that, that balance... would stand up in a court of law. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Madonna, you're found guilty, but you got crabs, so just move along. Mm,
1: she got crabs from a teenager who was like a virgin, but somehow had crabs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> look, it's hard to know whether the story And also went
1: down on her, so I was familiar with, you know, oral sex in the <laughs> exactly. what, late 70s when this took place. <laughs> a virgin exactly. who lives with his pal. Anyway. Sure. Yeah, look, I'm I sure don't... it totally happened. Madonna. I don't
0: really Really know whether to believe everything in this book, Tom. But certainly, um, if that is a true story, um, hey, this is a book. A, a of, you lot know, of questions. A lot of questions.
1: Absolute bonus shrinker, erotic fantasies. Yeah, so she's absolutely. allowed to have erotic fantasies about the underage. Nah. I'd prefer that that was a fantasy than an actual thing that happened.
0: Yeah, hard to say. Um, look, I'd hate to cancel Madonna, but um, <laughs> geez, that's pretty sketchy. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. She did get crabs, so maybe it balances out in the end. Um, Four weeks for that. You can pick that up for $0.65 on Discogs. It's expensive Um, by the standards of us. We we talked about Madonna's Spotify listens last uh, week, and I have not written them down for this week. But... It was probably a lot. <laughs> I would think so. It have to be up there. We, we did mention um, what she'd done. But... As you
1: say, she has yet to be cancelled.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that um, so was for four weeks. After that, 22nd of July for a month, Madonna again. She's gone back to back
1: ah, with another yes. song. Oh, may I just Crazy say... Crazy for you. Sorry, Tom. Uh, Sorry. Just one thing. Yep. The lyrics are too boring to go into, but um, just, just the whole song could be condensed to dance good and maybe we'll root later. Yep. But... um. Uh, Into the Groove was featured in the soundtrack of Desperately Seeking Susan, so that's our first movie soundtrack of uh-huh. the year, which is a kind of recurring theme. Theme with the eighties. Nice
0: stuff. one, fantastic. Yeah, basically, as we learnt in previous weeks, almost well, there was one year it seemed like fifty percent or more of those we're in songs were just in the song Flashdance. Exactly right. Um, so yeah, that's good. Uh, Madonna's up again next Crazy For You so she's effectively had three songs Angel Into The Groove Crazy For You over the space of two months um, this one Crazy For You not as good as Into The Groove for me personal preferences though I know people enjoy this one as well um, look I don't know whether I just need to cut to the chase and read out more sex quotes I'm <laughs> let's sure. do it Um, the best way to seduce someone is by making yourself unavailable. There you go. (laughs) You just have to be busy all the time and they'll be craving to see you. Then you don't fuck them for the first five dates. Is that a rule to live by? Five dates? Sure. Let them get closer and closer, but definitely don't fuck them. Be disinterested, but not too disinterested. They'll think you're barking up the wrong tree. It's always good to play hard to get. Good perfume is really important. Everyone's a sucker for a garter belt. You wear a dress and stockings and garter belts. You don't let them have you, but at some point you have to make him see that you have a garter belt on. No underpants is also a very big turn on. Sucking your fingers every once in a while doesn't hurt either, like in the middle of dinner. Telling jokes is good, and on every date you have to say one thing really disarming. That one's less sexy, but I think there's just a lot of good advice in there. Really. So... You can
1: tell Madonna is one of those women who thinks that if she says something shocking, you know, every two two hours that, you know, it makes her the hottest, most fascinating person on the planet. Yeah. And not just make everyone around the table going, Why are you talking about blue jobs suddenly. We were talking about house prices in this area.
0: Yeah, exactly. So look, this is... So from what I can ascertain, a first date with Madonna is you're sitting across from the table from her. She's just sucking on her fingers (laughs) the whole time, just going, what is the deal with airline food? Like just telling jokes and then occasionally she'll stand up to go to the toilet and then she'll sort of go, oh, look, I'm wearing a garter belt. And I'm just like going... That's I don't know, right. all of these are, are serious red flags for me, I think. So yes,
1: I yeah. Also, let's not miss that the whole uh, pretending you're not into someone is just the whole pick-up artist thing oh, as well, which yeah. just goes to show that, uh, you know, famous rock stars can be terrible at, you know get the game as well. Oh for sure. <laughs> it's not just eighteen year olds wearing a feather in their hat doing card tricks that suck at picking people up. Definitely Tom. You've got to be disinterested <laughs> but not too disinterested. So it's sure. a very, it's a very fine line.
0: But look, obviously it worked on Vanilla Rice, Sean, Sean Penn Paul and Guy and Ritchie, so Countless
1: Puerto Rican basketball players if I remember correctly. <laughs> basketball players and And
0: that child from the previous story. And that so, child yeah. with
1: crabs, yes. Absolutely.
0: Um, this one will cost you forty cents. Um, anything this, to tell me?
1: Ah, uh, one-two punch here. Yep. This feel this song was part of the soundtrack of the nineteen eighty-five film Vision Quest. Vision Quest. Tell me more. I don't. I <laughs> had to Google it. Unfortunately, it is not about doing a bunch of peyote and staggering through the desert with a Native American for thirteen hours. Yeah. I won't bother explaining to you what it is about. But if you want a clue, allow me to quote the trailer. The new film from the executive producers of Flashdance. <laughs> and while those words are being spoken, the leading man is sniffing the underpants of the only woman in the film. <laughs> so um, there you go. <laughs> but yes, again, lyrically, it's very boring. Yep. Although she didn't write them, just you know, no. it's just another dancing equal shagging thing, like, you know, there's hell some hella trashy pop lyrics around now, but at least people don't have to try and think of the Ten thousand nine hundred eighty seventh way to link dancing to rooting. Yeah, I'll say that.
0: Look, Tom, I'll tell you that. Um, hearing the words from the executive producer of Flashdance <laughs> got me very excited. So um, that's
1: your own personal sex book. isn't it? Oh,
0: absolutely. Look, if this is on a torrent site, I'll be downloading it immediately. So if you're seeing this, please um stay online. I
1: can't remember who the main guy. Is. It's Linda Fiorentino. Is that woman? The main actor guy is one of those people who looks Matthew like he's, he looks like he's forty when he's eighteen, <laughs> yeah. and he's yeah. So he's a twenty-five year old playing an eighteen-year-old who looks like he's forty-five. So yep. yeah. Anyway, he's Absolutely. got a fucking receding hairline. Okay, that's enough about that. But what next? Speaking of movies, bah, 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 it's a three-hit combo. Oh, three-hit
0: combo. Three weeks, second of September. Tina Turner. We don't need another hero. Yes. From theme song. Uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome number three number three is this the best in the trilogy Tom? (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's
1: certainly the 80s it's certainly the last in the trilogy um, obviously before the more recent film before a two decade gap that I can't imagine had anything to do with uh Yes, just just if you will, Ben, for those who haven't seen it or are too young to know, how would you describe the outfit of Tina Turner here in these pictures that I've got? Oh, look. Just specifically, if you had to say, for a fancy dress party, could you dress me up like... It's sheer,
0: um, the outfit. It's very see-through. It's silver um, there's massive, massive shoulder pads. It's sort supposed of ex- to be chainmail. Yeah, chainmail. Okay, yeah. So it's sort of, it's, it's sort of the, her shoulders extend about another foot out each side. Um, gloves. Uh,
1: and how would you describe the hair of this African American woman? Very blonde. It's significantly blonder 40s. than I
0: thought that it would be. But <laughs> the outfit, yeah, the outfit in this is fantastic. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen the film, Um, Would I recommend watching it? I I can't necessarily say I would. If you're going to watch them, watch them in order um i'd say yes. start with the first one the second one's the best one and then get into this if you so desire but you can just watch the music video
1: she does wear this exact outfit yeah it's the, kind of uh, it's almost I mean, a trailer know. to the film absolutely
0: yeah, yeah for sure
1: i um, mean it's quite a it's quite a rousing song i'll give her that oh, it's, it's kind of it's good. kind of anthemic you know for yeah. the for the for a, for a movie like this it kind of suits it sort of yeah. Oh, indeed, indeed. And one thing you'll
0: see in the video clip um, that also features in the film is there's a fight sequence involving people attached to giant rubber bands in a cage. Um, yes, well, so that it's... is the titular <laughs> Thunderdome yeah. that they speak of. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, if you wanted to know what the Thunderdome is, it is that, and it does involve, yeah, elastic bands oh. where people just spring all over the place. So,
1: Speaking of Thunderdomes, I... The lyrics this is the chorus. Not again, not written by her, but um yeah. We don't need another hero, we don't need to know the way home. All we life is all we want is life beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. But I never I could never hear that line. I didn't didn't actually realise that they managed to crowbar beyond Thunderdome, which is not exactly the most lyrically fluent piece of writing it's into interesting. the
0: chorus of the song. Well, it's interesting, Tom, because it's a four-line chorus, but they gave up after the first two lines. They just went, we don't need another hero, we don't need another way home. That's all you need. Yes. That's the catchy part. And then the next two lines, it's just like, say whatever yeah. you want. Um, all we want is life beyond. It's weird. It's like, mm-hmm. the, and then it's like, like a part Whispers of the contract is,
1: yeah, if we, look, mm-hmm. dudes, you've got to have the full title. Yeah, yep. I suppose it doesn't say all we want is Mad Max colon beyond Thunderdome but I mean it's pretty close
0: look well, just be thankful this song came out in 85 and not 2015 because there would have been a rap part in the latter part of the song where someone would have rapped and out like
1: auto tune it would
0: well. have been like yo Mad Max yeah. he's coming at you whack <laughs> bullshit like 100%. that and then they would have yeah don't know what they would have rhymed Thunderdome with but um yeah
1: I mean Bone what probably. saves this with as usual with Tina Turner, is her voice because, yeah, she just built it out. Yeah, she's the most it,
0: metal of all pop singers. Yeah, I've said she that makes before, it so. sound
1: like yeah, uh, James Bond theme, you know, where they oh. really dial it up to 12 to give you the full kind of, you know... Absolutely. ...vocal thing. And it, it sort of works. Like, she, it works as well as it possibly could, given, you know, this is about a post-apocalyptic future where, you know... One mutant dwarf sits on another mutant special needs person's shoulders and makes him fight other mutants in a giant geodesic dome with chainsaws. (laughs) Given that, she really makes it manage to make it sound quite powerful and you know. For sure, for sure, absolutely. Now, um,
0: this is obviously set in a post apocalyptic future right here in Australia, Tom. So, can we expect the (laughs) Thunderdome to be built in the near future? When um, when was Mad Max set? How far in the future are we talking? Can you uh, remember? I can't remember. I'm pretty. We're we talking within
1: in Tasmania, where thunderdomes have been constructed in the past. And, oh, you know, absolutely! The only person who came out alive won the uh, twenty five dollar weed bag that was <laughs> you know up. Definitely, um, definitely. And then he got stabbed because he used the wrong ice chainsaw and didn't put fuel in it. You know, after he cut that dude's head off.
0: For sure, because you know I think if someone said, "Look, out back Queensland, the thunderdome's been built." Let's Let's go check it out. I'd totally be. I'd. I'd be there. Oh, totally. Up there, check it out. You have know, a look. There's a rubber bands. There's all kinds of if fun you had stuff the
1: happening. Bloody Nerf bats. It could be a TV show. Definitely. In fact, it's kind of surprising. <laughs> it's basically just gladiators, really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. It is for sure. Um, look, Tina Turner. Um, prior to this she hadn't acted in a film since um, The Who's rock opera Tommy some would say she still hasn't acted in a film <laughs> still <hasn't> acted at all <laughs> sure. um, and then subsequent to this she was also in The Last Action Hero oh yeah she's in it for two seconds she playing is. with meow she believe. is absolutely so yeah not the strongest of actor but
1: she's got a strong
0: voice no um, and
1: she pulls off Chainmail lingerie in forty degree heat somehow, which must have been a bright old time. But you know what? Absolutely right.
0: Um, And this also features a very sick saxophone solo. Um, So that ticks ticks all the boxes for the eighties. Tina Turner, fourteen point five mil on the Spotify per month. That's a lot, but she does have a lot of hits, no doubting. Mm -hmm. And twenty six cents. Everything's in that. There's nothing (laughs) over a dollar. I think ever. So. Anything uh,
1: else you got for me? Well, I don't even need to tell you, but any screenshot of this film is just a mullet fest from go to blow. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, that's that's it for me. I've already done the lyrical masterpiece of managing to get the word Thunderdome <laughs> snuck into a lyric yeah, so it doesn't ruin the passing of the verse. But okay, what are we The funny thing
0: next? is you could hear that song a thousand times and unless someone pointed out to you that no, the last word in the honestly, course is Thunderdome you I would not I have heard it you the, the, that was
1: a regular feature on classic radio classic rock yep. when I was growing up and I never realised it actually had the title in it.
0: absolutely so up next um, for two weeks 9th of September um, Models Out of Mind Out of Sight
1: yes I remember this one surprisingly well I thought this was more recent than this and I'm guessing anyone outside Australia probably hasn't heard this song Yeah, but
0: Maybe, maybe. Oh, look, it's I don't probably know. probably
1: in some dodgy teen comedy. But oh, I hope so.
0: Yeah. I hope so. Um, look, I'm going to call it now. The models really are the poor man's in excess.
1: <laughs> is that a fair there, assessment? I would say there were a few of them around at the time, but yes, they, they are a
0: You have a look at this video clip. Yes. And it is don't tell me that the look, the song, there's a bit of saxophone work mm. in there. Almost everything. Yeah, prominent sort of keys, prominent con- kind of.
1: Yeah punky key sort of action the bram, whole bram. thing is
0: ripped off um, from in excess horn stings yep, yep. Um, the problem is that um, the vocalist is, doesn't have the charisma of um, obviously Michael Hutchins so that
1: bloody Kate Sobrano scene not yeah. sure
0: so Kate Sobrano um, did backing vocals on, on this um, I think and in the clip you, like, you can see her dancing in the
1: background doing the bloody you can uh, so uh, loads of sacks sort of skanky in the background weirdly yeah. like,
0: so loads of Saxon, Kate Sobrano. It's pretty, It's peak 80s Australian, really. It um, it's catchy. And, yeah, definitely. It is a catchy. I, I think it is a catchy song. Um, given the Kate Sobrano's on this, do you think that Elron uh, Ron Hubbard enjoyed this one before he passed away? <laughs> would, he, would this have been on high rotation? <laughs> yeah. Was Kate Sobrano a Scientologist back then or was it something
1: she came to later <laughs> in life? One of those weird factors of the oughts is just... Constantly being reminded that someone that you like turned out to be a Scientologist. Yeah, Like, definitely. oh, fuck it, I forgot they were a fucking Scientologist. <laughs> but I could probably
0: hear Elron Hubbard jamming this mm, on, um, on one of mm, the boats. Sure. Uh, on the Sea or He was certainly a big fan of Out of Mind, Out of Sight. Uh, um, I'd sa- oh, he, kinda... he played this a lot, <laughs> absolutely. And, yeah, the lyrics certainly um, really hit home. So, look, yeah, I think... Um, Tom Cruise probably also got into this one as well. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. Um, But I did read that apparently the album cost $600,000 to make. And they filmed a video clip for one of the songs. I don't think it was this one. It wasn't but,
1: this one. I hope. It but was uh, I think the one called Barbados. But I'm not 100 sure. <laughs> I hope it wasn't this one because this one takes no. place entirely inside one room. So it's if they exactly. went to Barbados for that, yeah. they must have spent a lot of money on. But phone. yeah. So apparently that video clip cost 150,000.
0: Oh, so in today's money, that's about four billion dollars. Mm, I think so. That's they, still quite a lot they of money. Spent 600k <laughs> on the album and 150k on the music video. That is a lot. Um, but it hit number one, so I guess, yep. yeah, look, they did okay. Um, in 2018, Triple M listeners, which is a radio station um, in Australia, for those Classic who aren't familiar, yep. um, they voted this the 92nd most Australian song of all time. Most Australian. Oh my God. The 92nd most uh, Australian song of most,
1: all time. So a completely unquantifiable <laughs> quantitative song. I guess that just means Australian song of all time. Yeah, look. It has nothing to do with Australia. It's just, apart from the fact that the band there. I assume that the song that came
0: in, number 91, was marginally more Australian. 93, marginally less Australian. It's a little bit weird,
1: isn't it? Like, it's what we were talking about the other night. Like, a lot of Aussie bands were quite big internationally during this period. Like, surprisingly so. More than they would be for 20 years to come.
0: Oh, absolutely. But.
1: A lot of them just, none of their, their music was just sort of almost calculatedly non-specific to anywhere. Like, this doesn't have, there's no sort of indication that this is Australian yep. in any way. They sing in American accents, it's an American style of music, and there's nothing pointing it to Australian. Same as in XS. Yeah. All absolutely. of their stuff. But yeah, like we were talking about, um, bloody, that song by Australian Crawl, mm-hmm. uh, Reckless, reckless, which is very Australian. Like yep. they just had the balls to go. No, this is about. This is what I'm talking about. So,
0: but yeah. Well, yeah, there's there's lyrics about obviously catching the ferry, mm, you know, etc. It's very. In, in Sydney, it's so. as
1: specific to a place as any American song would be to. Yep. You know, like yeah. Absolutely. Um, I know you've got a lyrical
0: highlight. I think I've got one more. Um, no, That, go for that it. you might not. Um, I don't know whether you're going to address this, but the actual chorus, Tom, is. Um, out of mind out of sight what are they rhyming with sight are they saying <laughs> out of mind out of sight
1: got to keep my body tight I was always wondering what <laughs> what, what does that mean is the, was this like some sort of ex like 80s exercise related thing like I don't know or is he talking about the ability to pick up a 50 cent coin with his butt cheeks or it's like almost impossible to say um,
0: but you, <laughs> yeah you he has to keep his body tight.
1: But also out of mind
0: and out of sight. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. But look, I guess it's promoting fitness in some way. So mm, that's sure. all good.
1: Well, uh, the music video isn't, though. It no. takes place in one room. Everyone, men and women, has a mullet. Yep. Of course. Uh, we can take that as red. But the lead singer. Remember, this is his big rock star moment. It's his big number one hit. Potential start of his future international career. He's wearing uh, denim jeans pulled up to his nipples with a belt. (laughs) A striped office shirt with the sleeves rolled up. And over the top of that, a brown leather sleeveless vest with a zipper and a collar, which he has popped up around his neck. He also looks exactly like Brian Ferry, weirdly enough, (laughs) except Brian Ferry was sort of ironically kind of doing this whole thing, whereas this guy looks like Brian Ferry with a huge mullet, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And a sleeveless vest, even at the time, I've got to say, very much so now, but even at the time, it was a real hit-or-miss proposition, like, you know, arm-wise. Yeah. You know, in the words of Sumic's lot, if you're packing no guns, don't throw them up. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Exactly.
0: And he wise words. No, that's metal. right. Yes,
1: all it does is highlight what you are missing out on. Yeah, absolutely. My only lyrical highlight was. Uh do you like to make love with me or turn it around? Which seems like he might have been an early proponent of pegging, possibly. <laughs> <No doubt. laughs> best uh, Which look, is possibly the leather um, sleeveless vest would McKay. Oh, look, I'd say so. The
0: lyrics to this, um, yeah, you're right. They're all good. Um, everything sounds like it was very well thought out, <laughs> written several times. You know, only the best lines were selected. Um, it makes sense all the way through and I enjoy it. Um, but what I also enjoy is... The models performed at Oz for Africa, Tom.
1: Oh my god, did we so have our own one? We can oh tie my God! this back in. Too.
0: Fortunately, um, as you mentioned earlier when you, you know, asked the question <laughs> Did the Australian groups record a song? <laughs> Fortunately no one recorded something because people I think didn't want something um, you know, left behind as a legacy of something mm, off but they everyone otherwise. realized it would be completely terrible. So Models performed at Oz for Africa, which raised $10 million in Australia, so that was pretty good, Um, along with Dragon, Men at Work, uh, In Excess, the little river band, so they had all the big guns there. They did. Hey, you know, probably more dignified overall. Um, Look, if they put that concert on today, Tom, I can say quite honestly that I would not go, but... um, (laughs) Unless In Excess got back Jade
1: Fortune, would you obviously. would be more likely to go to that concert or a 10 hour loop of Do They Know It's Christmas? Oh,
0: uh, yeah, I'd probably go to this, <laughs> I guess. If it was sort of, you know, if it was one or the other and I was forced to, I think I'd go to this. I mean, look, Dragon, I Men at Work, In Excess, Little River Band, and the models, admittedly, um, their best work is behind them. But I mm. think perhaps live they could still put on a show. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, 127,000 people on Spotify. Go. Okay. Um, Less than a dollar. A dollar seventy-seven. <laughs> so this is as high. That's pretty high. Yeah,
1: yeah. This probably would have got the least pressing out of everything. I'd say on so. Here. Yeah. I mean, some of the other ones are
0: like selling millions of copies. And I tell you what,
1: so. I reckon they deserve more than half of the numbers of Jim Diamond. Oh, I would absolutely. listen to this ten times before I listen to friggin' I I I I I by Jim Diamond again. Yeah, that one's terrible. Um, hmm. This is a lot better. I think this is the. It's got energy. Oh, it Say what you does like, energy. About it. If yeah. You, if you're not from Australia, give it a listen. Just it's a just a fun sort of party bop kind of background. Absolutely,
0: noise it's an Australian one in there. Not a lot of other Australians. No, songs. I think no. it's the first Australian one in this year. So there we go. That's good. Um, up next, um, Ooh, have you got anything? Baby, no? no. Yep. No. Number. So for two weeks, twenty um, third of September, Huey Lewis in the news,
1: the power of love. Oh, it's a curious thing, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Another movie. Here we go. We've really gotten the back half here with the movies, For
0: sure, for sure. So yeah, we started off pretty lacklustre in the film department, but we're hitting it hard now. Um, Huey Lewis's uh, real name, uh, Hugh Anthony Craig Third. Okay, so he's royalty. That's interesting. Absol- I know, very much so. Um, would he have been as popular if he had kept that moniker, or is it good that he sort of... <laughs> and what was his name again? Uh, Hugh Anthony Craig the Third and, and the, the news. news. Yeah. Oh, I reckon that's way punchier. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How do you feel about <laughs> bands that go for the 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 one uh, guy yes. and
1: the something? So I always felt like they had a real. They were really part of that retro fifties yep. sort of rockabilly early sixties rock and roll vibe that a lot of shit in the eighties had because they grew up listening to that shit when they yeah. were young in the same way each generation has a kind of retro thing for something two decades back or yeah. one decade back now because everything moves twice as fast as it used four to four years back mm-hmm. I think now So, and that's got that real sort of 50s, 60s vibe of calling your band someone and the something. Exactly, like, yeah. Because yeah. I guess it's, it's hard because I never knew when I was young whether it
0: was like an arrogance thing, like Huey Lewis was like, oh, yeah. it's too I'm too good for <laughs> the band to just be called The News. I have to be Huey Lewis, I'm Huey Lewis and The News. Um, so I wasn't sure whether it was that or whether it was that throwback thing, but it's as, probably... Yeah, it like as good. Dave
1: Barry used to say, what do you put on your business card if you just put Dave Smith... Yeah, New, news. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. So they were
0: originally called Huey Lewis and the American Express, um, but the record label said we're shit concerned <laughs> that we might. We're concerned the name is too shit. So yeah, they're worried about getting sued. To so the channel Huey Lewis and the News, um, and it's a, yeah, this song itself—it's uh, a um, bit of a banger, isn't it? It I is a like, banger. Absolutely. I, I got to
1: admit, I, it's catchy as shit.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, oh, man, I think what happened was that, um, so apparently, um, he had Huey Lewis had sort of, I think, sort of had some other experiences with some other songs. So they'd written a song, um, off, I don't, I can't remember whether it was this album or another one, but, um, uh, called I Want a New Drug. Are you familiar with that one? I
1: am, yes.
0: Yeah, so anyway. so one their greatest hits, which I owned on cassette. Good, good. <laughs> so so I, it may have been on this album, I'm not sure, but anyway, so that song, um, effectively, Ray Park Jr. ripped it off for Ghostbusters. Yeah, They yes. sound
1: almost musically, it's very similar. Almost exactly the same. They accused him of doing that, but it was a lot harder to get people for that stuff, or depending on how you look at it, either it was better back then because it was harder to prosecute people for stuff or worse yep. but either way it's very the chord progression is very similar anyway. yep. very very similar so apparently I think there was some sort of settlement out
0: of court or something like that so they moved on but apparently it was that experience of seeing the song in a movie that got uh, so popular so like he was like if he can, Ghostbusters yeah. was massive and he went okay so I need to get a, a song in a film get that and attached and they never looked back and they never looked back they got this one um, of course obviously into Back to the Future Um, which was obviously a huge film. Yep. It's still a very popular film today. Um, I can't imagine it ever being one of those films that seems dated. I don't know what it is. Like maybe, I don't know where the kids watch it. I think like Huey
1: Lewis, it's dated. Yeah, but its datedness is part of what makes it fun. Like yeah, it's, sorry, it's I, it's sness is yep. great. Like, and yeah,
0: I think I mean like dated to the point where people were watching. Oh, I can't no, I can't possibly no, understand no, what's going on here. Back to the
1: Future is the classic rock of movies, certainly.
0: <laughs> 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 Absolutely. So yeah, so I think this is a this is a powerhouse of a song. It really it sort of opens up the film. I think in the opening credits, there's a bit of a montage yeah. happening. Sets the film up um pretty good. Huey Lewis also does Back in Time from on the same soundtrack. soundtrack. Yep. So um should... this
1: was nominated for an Oscar, in fact, for nice. that year. Uh no, next year, so because of the way the Oscars work. So came out in eighty-five, it was nominated for the 1986 Best Song. Uh and it lost to "Say You Say Me" by Lionel Richie from some bullshit nobody room called uh, White Knights that probably features a bunch of panty sniffing if I'm guessing. Uh, it's probably the third film from the executive producers of Flashdance if I had to guess. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that this yeah everything's from the executive producers of Flashdance. They but shouldn't have even nominated other stuff for this year. So I find it hard to believe. Movie, I find like, it hard
0: to believe that there's a better song from a film in 1985 than this one. But alas. Um, Huey Lewis had a little bit of a, well, is renaissance the right word, but certainly in film became quite
1: popular in uh,
0: <laughs> American Psycho Tom,
1: What can is, you tell me about that? Well, call me Patrick Bateman, but I love this song. I mean, <laughs> the first album was a bit black sounding for me, but <laughs> by album four, you know, which this was... No, I mean, yeah, like, what, what can you say? What Have you read the book? in the? yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, he's got who is who is he There's entire there's an entire chapter on Huey Lewis, mm. uh Phil Collins mm-hmm. and uh is it Paula Abdul? Um it's a fe- there's a female th- Singer, someone that was really big at the time it Might be like Sheena Easton or something oh, okay. Now yeah. I'm forgetting but yeah, yeah. I, I have as well I Just <laughs> from Phil Collins and Huey Lewis uh, <laughs> Who Stan. obviously were considered by Brett Easton Ellis To be the most kind of anodyne mainstream yep. thing But yeah like
0: <laughs> Absolutely Interestingly, um, Hip To Be Square was originally on the American Psycho soundtrack It should have been But then um, they didn't give them clearance <laughs> to use it because they were worried about, apparently, the, the graphic ah, nature yes. of the film or something. So they had to destroy 100,000 copies of the album because they'd already pressed it up oh, and then just went,
1: oh, I can't get... Imagine how much one of those would go for. That'd be a bit of music.
0: Uh, absolutely. Preview, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah. Call me...
1: What do you prefer? Uh, this or Hip To Be Square?
0: I think I prefer this one um, just because of the back... I mean, I, I love Back to the Future when I was a kid. I've seen it yeah. a lot of times. I think just sort of the, the the connection to that film. But, I mean, Hip to be Square is obviously a very good song as
1: I, well. So. I like Hip to be Square, I think, because of the reason that they used it in the American Psycho, the yeah. film at least, is that it just seems like such a kind of uh, anthem for you know, deliberate 80s kind of adoption of conservative commercialist nonsense as just a party jam, (laughs) (laughs) and it is also a party jam, which kind of, like, it just kind of, you know. Absolutely. It it underlines itself by virtue of that, and that was in also a whole bunch of other movies as well, but, like, this really is a part of, you know, it's, it's very back to the future, like.
0: Definitely, definitely right So I think when you look at Huey Lewis Obviously you've got um, this song Back to the Future You've got "Hip to be Square Subsequent in American Psycho But I think his finest work in a film Was probably um, when he did Cruisin' With Gwyneth Paltrow in the film <laughs> Duets If you recall I that
1: haven't actually seen
0: that uh, Duets <laughs> is total dog shit um, And Gwyneth Paltrow has no right to sing a song In any context um, So
1: is he, is he? He's in the film he plays her dad or something, I think. Oh, it's... But uh, is he not someone's father in real life? See, this is the kind of stuff I should have probably researched before um, I looked into it. Rodney Lewis. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, no. No. It's uh, all right. Yeah, so... I uh, might be confusing him with, you know... You know definitely. Know, but yeah... Um, Billy um, Ray Cyrus or, or something. So,
0: um, Doc Brown and the DeLorean do show up in the music video for this at the start. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of it's them sort of playing... Um, in a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty fun. I think the video clips, yeah, it's it's good. Um, yeah, I like this song. I thoroughly enjoy it in terms of um, compared to some of the other pieces of shit that we've had this year. <laughs> so, absolutely. Um, 4.6 million listeners for Huey Lewis and the News. You can get enough. this for 65 cents. That's a pretty good deal, I think. Any
1: lyrical highlights? Um, these are pretty okay by 80 standards to like. The power of love is apparently quite a lot of things. (laughs) Um, I always thought it was a bit strange that it's stronger and harder than a bad girl's dream, which sounds like Nikki Six dropped in for one line, (laughs) especially when the next line says, It makes a bad one good and a wrong one right. So I guess, you know, the power of love is sweaty and erotic while you're asleep, but in the daytime, like, makes you join a church group and call a plumber to get that dripping toilet fixed that you've been ignoring and <laughs> shit like that. But I mean, again, merely, merely demonstrating the magnitude of the power of love. So I'd, yeah. I'd say that's a win by 80 standards, definitely.
0: Look, it's very powerful, um, love, obviously, as Huey Lewis has spelled out, um... What about the line, you don't need a credit card to ride this train? Is there, any,
1: <laughs> is there any train that you've ever been on that's required a credit card? I think, well, in Patrick Bateman style, he wanted to get... The term credit card Because that was probably The coolest shit going In True. 1985 If you've got a credit card that But sucks. he couldn't figure out A line that rhymed with um, Fame Fame Yes And train was the best he could do I mean I guess you could say You could probably buy A train ticket With a credit card I mean yep. yeah, I know what you mean. It's weird, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, but Tell yeah, me. it's a well, wanna catch and it's sudden. the
0: train home, do you have your visa with you? I you don't know? have it. No, it costs two I just pay with cash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, it's strong and sudden, cruel sometimes, but it might just save your life, I guess, as well. So it's good to know the sure. power of love. So if it's... you've been hit by a car at ninety <laughs> kilometres per hour, um, and you're lying one. almost dead on the street, you're bleeding out, mm. hopefully the power of love can come along. And yeah. sort of, you know, it'll get you out of a coma, or you I'd might say. just
1: crack a fat before you die. It's you know?
0: true that, that as well. So who knows? Who knows? But yeah, look, Huey Lewis and don't and don't forget about the news. <laughs> I won't. They don't, I won't forget the credit maybe, that they or deserve. All the American Express. Is, yeah, you know exactly, exactly. Um, so moving on, only only two weeks for that. Up next, seventh of October for two weeks. Mick Jagger, David Bowie dancing in the street. Boy, how much cocaine was involved in the production of this song
1: (laughs) I think uh, Freddie Mercury style they just brought it in on a giant silver platter with a nude man lying in the middle of it for breakfast it'd be my guess
0: look I don't know how much they spent on this but let's just say um...
1: not counting the cocaine
0: like, I don't, yeah I mean well, yeah Assuming that they spent $600,000 on that Models album Let's assume they spent The same amount On this song I'd say it's $592,000 On cocaine
1: And then $8,000 On sort of um, Other ancillary Expenses probably, I know so. what you mean Like it's kind of a It's almost a bit Clichéd I do it too But to, to point at stuff From the 80s And go Oh look at the cocaine was involved in this But it really does It just looks like Two massively Coked up rock stars Just wandering around Some abandoned houses Yeah You know Because they ran out of cash Like It just well, Yeah it's- The thing
0: is Researching this They apparently Went into the studio
1: Recorded it in
0: four hours And then Once they'd finished Recording it Immediately went down To the, <laughs> do the docks To do the video Which just sounds like Something you would only do if you were on cocaine saying let's we've pumped out this song when do you want to do the music video oh tomorrow no no man let's let's fucking go right now yeah. Oh, come no, yeah come on <laughs> oh, yeah all right and then we you can just get immediately where off, you want to man, go yeah. let's go down to the docks all right <laughs> and then just dance around like fucking weirdos for a while um and the dance moves in this definitely look like two white dudes in their 30s oh on about God. four kilos of coke may i like just say yep. like
1: if you haven't seen the version of this on YouTube with the music removed, so it's just. Have you seen those? You know, where they just yeah. put the sound effects of the feet movements yeah. and stuff in? Oh, it's great. Because not only is there no band or anything behind them or any sort of background yep. musical accompaniment, it's just like two middle aged guys just kind of sweatily, <laughs> like. <laughs> like, coke grins, like, just kind of dancing around in too tight pants. Yep. But they're already too big for, like, bumping asses with each other in some abandoned house on top. Absolutely. Oh, huh. boy. I don't boy. Know, Check I, that out if I you think, haven't seen it. And I think,
0: just looking at both of them, I think that Mick Jagger just looks slightly more coked out. Like, <laughs> I I think it's, it's, you know, it's close, but I think he is yeah. probably. And speaking, um, I guess, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm interested, obviously... You know, we don't have to talk a lot about Mick Jagger and David Bowie. Everyone knows the work of the Rolling Stones. um, And obviously Bowie, um, yeah, had a very, very long career. But um, I guess outside of music, they're also involved in a lot of things. I just wanted to know, Tom, um, who's your favourite Ned Kelly? Is it Mick Jagger (laughs) or Yahoo Serious? (laughs) Or Heath Ledger? I should throw him in as well. (laughs) I mean, you know, Ned Kelly, obviously a classic Australian... Um, you know, shot up some <laughs> cops and whatnot and wore that metal outfit or whatever he did. But um, yeah, Mick mm. Jagger um, took on
1: the role. <laughs> I've never actually seen that one. I yep. have heard about it. Well, probably your answer would be Yahoo Serious, and I guess. Yeah, I think I'd take Yahoo Serious, but above Yahoo Serious, I think I would take the insane uh, Bush Ranger film starring Dennis Hopper. From the yes. early '70s, <laughs> yeah, which contains the line "and don't forget the scrotum." Uh, yeah. In fact, I think that's the last line of the film. <laughs> yes. Yep. But um yeah, that's completely I, outrageous. Like, that I film. couldn't. I couldn't say Mick Jagger wise. I'm, I'm guessing it's not great, but you know, sure. What about you? Oh, look, I think Are you uh, would serious guy? for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big
0: fan of Reckless Kelly. Um, obviously, <laughs> you know. His first work will always be his finest, Young Einstein. Um, I, I don't. In, until I'd seen mm. that film, I didn't realise that Albert Einstein was from Tasmania. I didn't know that. I've, I'm from, We're both from Tasmania. <laughs> I grew true. up in Tasmania, it spent a lot true. of years there. Didn't realise Albert Einstein was there, um, so it was good to see that he invented so much stuff there. Mm. Electric guitar, put Tom, the bubbles um, in beer, etc. Yeah. So, yeah, it was good.
1: I mean, a lot of people prefer that to Reckless Kelly, but Reckless Kelly was the one that gave him his big break into America and yeah. you know, made him into the... Bloody superannuated rock star that everyone still loves today Absolutely. in the year twenty twenty one. Absolutely, but the good thing about this is that it is. I mean, this song particularly. It
0: is. I mean, at the time, you have to say two huge stars oh, getting together yes. to do two the uh, to do a, a the joint. World, like sure. two of the biggest in the world back in the eighties. You know, like by this stage you know both of them had had very long careers as, as I've sort of already mentioned um, so yeah in terms of like getting two guys together I think this is probably as good as it gets um, for me it's one of the best duets in terms of the the star power that's come together you know I laugh at sort of the, the stupid <laughs> dancing and whatnot, but one of the best ones are probably the only for me I say one of the best because I don't think it's quite as good as um, Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone Sweet Love and Friends um <laughs> From, from the film. Uh, Rhinestone. Oh, Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Um, so that's one of my favourite duets. Because um, Sylvester Stallone um, you might think he can't sing, and you'd be correct in assuming that, but he adds something that a trained musician, a trained singer just can't bring to the party. You know, that sort of that inability to sing, I think, sort of adds a new dimension that people don't really sure. get for professional singers. Um, so the thing is, though, that song, um, you know, Sweet Love and Friends from Rhinestone, it was nominated for, you know, worst original song of the Razzies, which I think is unfair. Um, it didn't win, obviously, because um, Sylvester Stallone um, sung another song in that film <laughs> called Drinkenstein, um, which unfortunately was significantly worse than this. But yeah, so for me, when people say, what are your favourite duets? I say Jagger and Bowie, of course, you know. Parton Stallone, um, <laughs> and then um, Celine Dion and Anastasia doing "You Shook Me All Night Long" as well. So oh my classic God. Um, ACDC. They they, they that to mind. My... It is, oh it is, God. yeah. So some of the finest <laughs> duets around. Um, um,
1: just one more thing. Yeah. Uh, this is another song that Live Aid was responsible for, because they recorded this <laughs> okay. for. Which this is actually an older. The reason that they could probably get it done in four hours. You know, was A, cocaine, B, the fact that they did the film clip in an abandoned house while, you know, touching yep. butts, and C, the fact that they didn't write the song. It's an no, old cover. Nice, yeah. Um, yeah, which lyrically is why the entire lyrics are just shit like New York City, dancing in the street, I don't know, you know, Beijing, dancing in the street, over <laughs> to Adelaide, dancing in the street, fucking, I don't know, Reykjavik, <laughs> dancing in the street, and just, repeat that for part you know six minutes it doesn't
0: matter where you are or who you are as long yeah so (laughs) it's effectively just yeah let's list places and say dancing in the street, industry, yeah. yeah pretty much yeah exactly so um, Bowie 14 million people on Spotify oh, well deserved that's a lot Jagger's only got 900,000 but obviously the, the reason Rolling for that is Stones because the Rolling, Rolling Stones have you know Mick Jagger's not renowned for his duets or solo yeah. work I wouldn't have also, thought as much
1: as his, his work Bowie had the decency to cark it and not keep doing tours Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely, with a frame, so forth. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you can pick this <laughs> up for unfair.
0: get this for forty four cents. Yeah, Bowie's dead. That's you know, so we won't get to see him back uh, for him and Jagger doing this, which is a shame boy. for um for band for the uh, corona the COVID nineteen version of <laughs> We Are the World. I was hoping they might might get this back, but they're not going to do that. So unfortunately, um, all right, cool. So. Yeah, that's a... I actually quite like that one. Yeah, yeah I know people, it's all right. People talk... About, I mean, yeah, the, as you've mentioned, the video clip, I think, is renowned. It just sounds days, like an old do fest, what
1: but, Not a do up, like an old girl group song or something yeah. like that, you know, from someone in... The, Charlene and the Chantels or, you know... For sure,
0: for sure. And we have mentioned this before. The cover's always better than the original. I've said that before. <laughs> I'll say that again. Especially it, or, in the
1: case of um, Celine Dion. <laughs> oh, absolutely right. <laughs> for sure.
0: Celine Dion and Anastasia, you shoot me all night long. <laughs> Look, um... I think ACDC wrote that song hoping that in the future One someone day. else would tackle it yes. and take you know the, the bones that they'd created <laughs> that laid down and then sort of add on top of that. Yeah. And I think that's what most covers do. They take the original and they add a new dimension, which is why the cover's always better than the original. Um, so, yeah, that's good. Up next, um, speaking of the cover being better than the original, um, there's always an exception to the rule, <laughs> um, and this is the exception. UB40 featuring Chrissy Hind, I Got You, Babe. Boy Now
1: Boy oh boy
0: You know I'm not one that's prone to hyperbole Tom But Is there a worse band in the history of recorded (laughs) music Than UB40?
1: Uh, Man I have to say They were a regular fixture This and about four other songs On classic Not even classic We didn't even have classic rock where I grew up We had Like Sort of I don't even know what you would call it It's like sort of Ballad rock yeah. This was about as heavy as it got, Meatloaf yeah. and UB40, and they played every friggin' song by them, all their kids, Red Red Wine, this, yep. bloody... They did another terrible cover of um, an Elvis song that... Um,
0: I Can't Help Falling in f- Love yeah, With You. Yeah, yep.
1: Yeah, look, I think... No, Fools Rush In. Oh, I do that. Yep, sorry. No, I mean, you know... Yeah, I've tried <laughs> to erase it like from my memory. They but- may have done that as well. In fact, they probably did. Oh, man.
0: The name UB40 sounds like, for a start, something that you may purchase to get rid of rodents in your house. Well, or do you know
1: of... where it's from? Oh, I don't know. Appropriately now, if that's the British uh, code for a dole form. Oh, is mm, it? Good, yeah.
0: good, good, good. Which is where all of these, the members of the band started and probably back on the doll yeah, now, I, I imagine. Um,
1: possibly should have stayed.
0: Yeah, look, can you imagine saying to someone, especially as a white guy, Let's start a
1: band and cover old songs all in the style of reggae. It's bizarre, isn't it? And there were black members of the band, so they convinced some people to do it. But yeah, man, I know what you're saying. Like, it just, this would probably not pass muster. these Out of
0: genre covers, for me, are the worst idea that you can do. Um, I I really dislike Mm. when anyone takes a song and says, let's make it more metal or let's do a rap version of this. (sighs) But the regification oh, my God. Of, of popular songs is the bottom tier for me. It
1: just sucks balls, doesn't oh, it? Yeah. Even, even if putting aside the cultural appropriation or not, whatever you reckon, just the... Just the why would you want to regify Elvis Anything. or I Got You, Babe? I mean, Sunny personally, sure. I... Sunny like Bono, anyway, is it sucks balls? Yeah. I reckon. Oh, and then absolutely. the only thing worse than doing a shit cover of it is doing a shit reggae cover of it. Oh, Look, I don't know.
0: I, I, this is this might be a rumor. Maybe it's more than a rumor. I'm not sure. But I believe that Sonny Bono. Heard this cover and then flew a plane into a mountain as a result of that. So UB40 effectively murdered Sonny Bono. Um, that's so what I'm saying. Is
1: responsible for murder. I well. think it is absolutely so. Look,
0: I don't know whether any courts looked into it, but you know I'd like to see the band charged because uh, effectively. If it wasn't for this song, he still might be alive today. I don't really know. but Or didn't he die in a skiing accident? I
1: can't remember. He was in a horrible skiing accident, but I don't think that actually killed him. Oh, he okay. died. He's dead, but yep. I can't remember how he died. But yeah. I thought it was in a plane crash after hearing this song. But I um, think he ran into a tree and got a branch up his nose in some weird skiing-related accident, but it wasn't fatal. Yeah. It just made a lot of people laugh.
0: Oh look I probably should have done More research I guess <laughs> Oh he was a politician
1: Yeah see What am
0: I talking about now uh, He just... died uh, Of injuries Occurred when he hit a tree while skiing oh, okay. So did there die I about. am wrong Alright We'll edit this out later Let's go back Sure So he was He heard this song And then he skied into a tree <laughs> And died Jeez. So, if it wasn't for this song, you might still be alive I today. Don't hate Chrissy Hind. I feel like she no. deserves better than this. I think it's that she just... was pulled into this on some. She owed someone money let's, or something. You know what? Or... Let's
1: blame this on fucking Live Aid. I bet fucking Live Aid was involved in oh, this Oh, no so, yeah.
0: doubt. They probably forced her <sighs> to do it. Man. Absolutely. So, yeah, this sucks. UB46.2 million listeners. Oh, that, that makes me That's angry. That's terrible. Scared, isn't it? There should be no listeners for this garbage. Chrissy Hine 130. That should be a lot more, I think. Yes, um, definitely. You can pick this up for 26
1: cents. That seems Way exorbitant for this. Um, there are no lyrical highlights <laughs> okay. to this. The original sucks and they did not improve it. Um, so I was just thinking... So they say your hair's too long. I don't care with you. I can't go wrong. Despite being written by Hippie, like this line would have potentially made the song the perfect pro mullet anthem for 1985 but weirdly this is the only band of the year with no mullets in it if you watch the video the only mullet is on Chrissy Hine yeah and everyone in the crowd obviously of course but yeah and also I'll give them one point uh to the only person on the stage who's got dreadlocks is black so a point for that you know Definitely, look,
0: this sucks. Um, I think UB40 are going to feature again, unfortunately. I don't know what it was, but I'm people sure people seem to again. love these guys pumping out a, a shit reggae cover. There are a lot of songs, middle so class college hell.
1: students who wish they were black. You know, yeah, Still, there were a lot in the 80s, there's still a lot now. Yeah.
0: You know. Nothing about this is good. Um, let's move on. Um, 11th of November for two weeks. Uh huh. Take on me. Ah, uh, take on me. Now, this has to be one of the hardest pop songs of all time. It's really tough. There's a half-time in the chorus, which um, makes me want to punch a hole in the wall every time I hear it. It's like it's basically like putting on Pantera, I'm Broken, or something like that. By 1985. Just... So exactly right. Exactly. The drums, they do this thing in the middle of the song. Listen to it, you'll know what I mean. And if you're not spin-kicking a baby into a river, then there's something wrong with you. I don't know what's going on. Just, it is hard as fucking nails. Um, and look... Uh-huh, I give it to them, maximum props, this was originally recorded um, called, the song was called Lesson One, and it sucked, it was no good, so they re-recorded it, This Take On Me, they changed the chorus, um, and it was only a hit in Norway, but someone in Norway heard it and went, look, let's re-record this again, and we'll make it. Better music video, and we're going to take this all the way. So they re-recorded it a third time, um,
1: and then they made the video, Tom. Which, what can you tell me about the video? Oh, I was going to say, yeah, they. Um, so they re. So they released it multiple times in yep. their own in Norway in their own country. Then they released it in America. I mean, and overseas, the Western world, I guess. that Europe part of the Western world, you know what I mean? Yep. Australia, America, the UK, and. It still wasn't a hit, and then four months later, they got around to having the music video come out. And yeah, that's the amazing, the one that everyone knows. I assume if they don't, it's a great half live action, half hand drawn animated uh, video, which makes it look as though some like comic book that someone's reading slash drawing is coming to life, and the person falls into the comic book, becomes animated. It yep. all looks like pencil, it's not coloured, It's like, it looks like actual graphite on paper, and it is a very cool effect. It still looks fucking rad today, and it probably took a fucking long time too, I'm guessing.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, I think this is one of the first examples I know. I think this is like a rotoscoped type thing. Ah, yes, way. that's where they draw over yeah, live so action. Absolutely. So, yeah. But, um, so, rotoscoping, apparently this took 16 weeks to do I believe it Um, I mean there's
1: probably only two minutes in the whole video but that's you know you have to draw every so you know so if it's 20 frames a second you have to watch you know two minutes and then draw 20 frames for every second for 120 seconds of yeah. stuff just to get it to look. And then it's got to fit with the live action of the person interacting with the Absolutely, stuff.
0: Absolutely, for sure. Um, I think they make feature length films in less time. <laughs> That's <laughs> commitment sure to the cause do. saying, dude, we've got this idea for a video clip, we're going to film it and then we're going to draw over the frames to make this thing. People are telling me Trolls World
1: Tour uh, took longer. Charles World Tour.
0: Take on me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> took so yeah but that's good though they floated it to the record and said how long is it going to take four months and went yeah go ahead do it so that's pretty cool yeah Um, you know I don't think people would take it to say if someone says
1: it's going to take 16 weeks these days yeah. they'd say fucking oh, forget no. it no neither would they days. give a song four separate chances to, mm. to be, be a hit but it's still a great song I think didn't I think Weezer covered this recently like with a video that did the whole thing yep. like it's it's not just still a popular classic rock mainstay like Power of Love, but yeah. it's actually passed through the kind of irony vector into the sort of you know, you know, it's another generation knows about this song now as well. Like you know, like that it features this you know stuff. Absolutely, I'm yeah. sure this will be in so- movies after I'm Forever. dead. Forever, oh, like, yeah. no
0: doubt. Yeah, my kids will probably be dead. It'll still be in films. But um, Michael Patterson and Candace Wreckinger are the ones that created the music video Um, so power to them what sort
1: of uh, haircut do you reckon they had they
0: both had mullets Um, (laughs) they certainly did
1: Uh, how about everyone in the band Oh, they had mullets as well. Sure,
0: just, <laughs> just checking. I was just Definitely making they sure. they all had mullets as well. Um, but Euro mullets, of course, so, <laughs> which mullets. is a different a type. A Euro mullets
1: is a slightly yes. different thing. Different, different brands there. of hairspray.
0: Yeah, so the guys that created this music video, props to them. Um, obviously, we talked about how it took a long time. It's very impressive. And then they subsequently went on to do the video for Paula Abdul and MC Scat Cat's Opposites Attract. cheating me? I'm not. No. I'm not. So, the a song
1: with just as much lasting
0: power mu- as this Just song. as much lasting power and just a greater video clip. So, um, look, Tom, I hope we get to talk about that in the future because I could talk for a full hour on, on MC Scat I thought cat you might have had some and thoughts stray mob. on um, the Scat um, Cat yeah, story. So, let's, let's wait. Like, I believe, I'm fingers crossed, <laughs> that it'll show up in a few years' time. But um, look at that fucking resume. What have, yes. what have you done? That's I've done aha uh-huh take on me, <laughs> and I created MC Scat Cat. Just it's for like, a second, I man. thought
1: you were going to say something good, like who, who, who Rock your rabbit. Well, I was something. hoping so, but yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Sure.
0: Yeah. So oh, I just realised in my notes later on I've written that, yeah, they had approximately 3,000 frames to rotoscope. So that's a lot. Wow, so yeah, yeah, there you so go. That explains that's why it took such a long ideas. time. Um, and the song was brought back to life in 2013, when it was sampled by Pitbull, Featuring Christina Aguilera for the song "Feel This Moment," um, good. so good. which is good to see. Good to see Pitbull brought it back to life. Um, I do remember that song. I did listen to it um, as research for this episode. It is fucking terrible, Mister um, <laughs> International Pitbull himself. <laughs> don't know what's going on. He consistently looks like uh, a drug dealer from 1984, despite they the fact revoked that revoked his passport yet. I'm not sure. I'm not say. sure, but. Massive respect to that dude because he's living the Florida dream, like the 80s Florida dream, three decades after the fact and pumps out just the worst music known to man, but people love it. So power to that guy. I think, you know... If you can stick to something for so long, no matter mm. how bad it is, you have to respect He's that even if you don't like it.
1: Definitely locked in yep. the position of background DJ from Bad Boys One. Absolutely. <laughs> and will remain so indefinitely. Absolutely. 9.9 million people for AHA uh-huh and Spotify oh, Month. That's Can't, just that's... from this fucking song. I'd that's say how so. that's there you go, that's how good this song is. Yeah, I don't know this he... gets you. Two, this you gets you two thirds of the way to Bowie you oh know. I guess you're pumped
0: up Absolutely. Oh, although sure. I'm
1: sure I mean he'd be famous in, they'd be famous in Norway they probably had more hits that's true so. yeah I mean he'd they're fa- a one hit one to hear but yeah you're right I'm sure they, they, they did, did have noise. another song people might know which was the theme song to Living Daylights the oh, James Bond theme yes. <laughs> must have been just coincided with the you know the two weeks this was huge initially <laughs> was the same two weeks when they were going who can we get to seeing the new Bond theme I actually quite like that song In yeah. fact, I quite like that movie mm. Even though it wasn't one of his more popular ones But I am a Timothy Dalton truther <laughs> I refuse to believe that he was born in America That's what I say uh, Yeah, lyrically Controversial Controversial Yeah, for lyrically, sure Lyrically, it's got a real English second language vibe You know, yeah. but we can't all be Navikov, you know but Yeah, I <laughs> Absolutely. mean Absolutely they really don't make a lot of sense. In fact, it just—it's very hard to tell what it's even saying. If if anyone can tell me what "you're all of the things I've got to remember" means, then you can have a prize. Yeah, you know. In fact, even the basic chorus doesn't really make sense. You know, like this, "take on me, take me on." Okay, that's kind of a concise way to say look I'm not perfect I'm difficult but if you stick with me you know I'll pay off in the long haul and the next <laughs> words are I'll be gone in a day or two so he's he <laughs> basically saying I'm a huge pain in the ass, and I'm going to run off please root me you know so please
0: take me on for the long haul and by long haul I mean in 48 tomorrow, hours definitely fancy
1: shag absolutely anyway I mean it's a great song oh, it it's, a, great it's a great song corker.
0: definitely definitely I should just take um, an opportunity now to mention um, Tom's Timothy Dalton Truth, a YouTube channel. <laughs> Please remember to subscribe to that. That's um, right. Videos I coming. long-form birth certificate. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Videos every Monday, I believe, so <laughs> get on to it, yeah. Good stuff. Um, yeah, cool. So up next, uh, for two weeks, 25th of November, Jennifer Rush, The Power of
1: Love. Whew, boy, I've forgotten this one. In fact, I thought you'd actually made a mistake, and then I, yeah, please elaborate, please. Well, look, I've got a theory, Tom. That this is an accidental number one. <laughs> um, I one hundred percent think you could be correct.
0: This like, is what happened. It's nine eighty five. People have walked into brashes um, <laughs> in Launceston or wherever you may be, Devonport, um, perhaps. Bernie. Was there, Bernie? Yeah, all Frankfurt. over all over Australia, Frankfurt. You've walked into a brash, as you've said. You've gone up to the counter and said that song, Power of Love. <laughs> and then people, and the guy's like, yeah, yeah,
1: oh, no just problem. look out the back. I'll just look out, out the back. back. And he said, Gary, hand, hand, do we do you have it any Power copies of Love? Power so of love?
0: It's like, he rummages through and pans that one back and then someone goes, I thought it was, and they canned him, the cover, they look at it, there's Jennifer Rush and they go, I thought it was a, it was a, oh, no, it definitely says The Power of Love they've put the money down they've got home they've put it on they've said this isn't the fucking theme from Back to the Future what the fuck is this but by that point they'd sold so many copies that this went straight to number one because I forgot this song existed
1: me too I, well, this was like you with uh, What's His Face with Jim Diamond Yeah, I'd completely forgotten this until I had to listen to it to go oh fuck that's right it really does have exactly the same title it came out exactly the same year it's yep. the same sort of yeah you know
0: Quality-wise,
1: it's a million miles away, but sonically, it's not, you know, it's the same era, you know, oh, definitely. And, and look, yeah. it's also,
0: look at the date, Tom, 25th of November. To me, that's saying that's the rush up to Christmas. You've got some auntie going in there saying, mm. oh, little Stevie wants the power of love, seven inch <laughs> yep. for Christmas. Trolley. And then they ask, pick it up. The, the, the auntie, the uncle, the grandmother, they don't know any better. It's
1: the only explanation.
0: So a lot of people, I think, um, 1985, disappointed at Christmas time. Probably the most disappointing Christmas <laughs> of all time for a lot of people. Opening up that present, thinking they're getting Huey Lewis in the news, they get Jennifer Rush. Um, it's the only
1: explanation because this is balls. This song. Yeah, look, she uh, doesn't deserve to copy that song no, title. No. this is like the song equivalent of like a knockoff Mills and Boone book cover where they couldn't even afford the real Fabio. Absolutely. So we've got some guy with drawn-on muscles called Dave. <laughs> For sure. You know. This has
0: been referred to as a super ballad. How do you feel about that? How about, how do you feel about that terminology? When I was it's doing a, some, looked on the internet. And someone said super ballad. Don't know about that. But you watch the video clip, and it features some of the earliest product placement in a video <laughs> oh, really? that I've seen. Yeah. So I didn't notice. Jennifer Rush. She's hanging out. She gets a lot. cassette throws it into her Grundig Walkman, oh. and off she goes. And there's a very, there's a paused shot for a few seconds on the Grundig. I did not notice. Um, so there you go. Oh, so I assume mesmerized. Grundig threw some money down for that. For those that don't know, Grundig's what? The German Sony, I guess? Trying Something to get along some competition lines. happening.
1: For sure. Um, yeah, so... I'm sure their song Jennifer Rush, The Power of Love video clip featuring Grundig Walkman would be stiff competition for Back to the Future featuring yeah. Michael J. Fox for 90 minutes. With that Sony. With Sony the <laughs> classic orange orange earphones. Definitely. Well, I had a Grundig, so all I can
0: say <laughs> is that I know um, what Know the sting of video the beta
1: clip. owner.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, Celine Dion covered this in 1994, and it also went to number one. Mm. So, I'll have to talk about this again.
1: That may have been where I've heard this. Yeah. I, You know, she's a better singer than Jennifer Rush, so it's probably yeah. a better version. But it, it's not as 80s. That's the that's No, the thing. again, so I mean, this is incredibly 80s. The entire video, she's got giant friggin' Carrera sunglasses on, huge glossy mullet. You know, yeah. it's just. Definitely. I don't even know. I'm not a cinematographer, but what are those. That lens effect that makes. All light sources appear to have an X-shaped
0: oh, yeah, star
1: yeah. beam on it. It's pretty
0: good. Mm. I don't know how they do it, but they should do that in modern films, yes. I think. Yes, so. yeah. Um,
1: Enough but, of that. Yeah, there's nothing,
0: really. But interesting fact, I think um, there's a there's a certain couple that chose this song <laughs> for their first dance <laughs> oh, I can't at wait their wedding. 1986 wedding. Um, 1986? Ooh. They're, they're a powerful couple. Um <sighs> One of them's been in the news recently, um, as, you know, just a a lovable character that people quite like. Is
1: Warwick Capper?
0: No, um, Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson (laughs) chose this (laughs) for their first dance, um, (laughs) He's a lovable larrikin, isn't he, that guy? So, sure, he often has sex with underage prostitutes at Jeffrey Epstein's Secret Island, but apart from that...
1: So does the President of America, you know. For sure. We're not perfect, are we? Definitely, definitely right. So, um... at least Lady Di had the sense to like Duran Duran yeah Jennifer Rush I I mean
0: I'd I'd hate to think that when Prince Andrew was seducing these (laughs) underage girls that he was playing The Power of Love by Jennifer Rush but I guess we'll never know because he refuses to respond to the the uh... The power
1: of love is a curious thing
0: (laughs) (laughs) not in this song they don't know (laughs) they do in the other one but yeah so, yeah, good times. That's, um,
1: yeah, that's mm. nice. Sarah Fergus, she'd probably yeah. Fergie as well, she'd love if this too. If you haven't so. heard this song and have no desire to, here's an example of the first lyric of the song. The whispers in the morning of lovers sleeping tight are rolling by like thunder now as I look into your eyes. So if that sounds like the kind of bag you're into, <laughs> go ahead, Get look involved. up Jennifer Rush. Yep. Um, 800000 for Jennifer
0: Rush. Um, you can pick this up for $0.21. Cents. That is and even $0.21 too fucking... And really even then, you'll
1: stuff. buy this off Discogs for $0.21 cents and you'll get it home and go, this isn't Huey Lewis in the News. Oh, so I would listen to Do They Know It's Christmas before that because at least, you know, your money's going to a good cause. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So that's that. Um, up next,
0: 2nd of December for what? six weeks. So that takes... This is one of those weird ones where it's um, number one for a week. Then Jennifer Rush comes back ah, yeah. for a week. They're and then back this. into this for the rest of the year. So this is Midnight So this is Oil. essentially the last one of this the is a, year. This then. is the last one of the year. Yeah. So Midnight Oil, um, Species Deceases. Now, this is not this is an EP. So this isn't a song. This is a selection of songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I listen to this. Out? I've not heard any of these songs in my entire life <laughs> so they're not not any of the Midnight Oil hits no, that I'm familiar with me
1: either this must have been early in their career because I hadn't heard of any of these either
0: yeah exactly so I did a bit of research um into this EP situation and apparently um the Aria charts Code of Practice if um, you <laughs> don't bother reading it I've done the hard yards for you um, that a single is classified as any format digital or physical which is a product containing up to five different songs and the music content of no more than 25 minutes so the sales of an EP are calculated based on the number of units sold of the EP combined with the sales of a lead single which is nominated by the record label. So effectively, if, the, if an EP is the biggest selling thing of the week, it'll be the number one single even though it doesn't necessarily have a single on it
1: sort of thing so the most the most if if one song off the ep sells enough to be just no no just the yeah okay Uh, yeah yeah no that doesn't make any sense so um, they um, can't do listens back in these days yeah it doesn't they don't even fuck about radio play so
0: basically whatever whatever number two was this week didn't sell as many as the midnight or ep even though yeah it's not as so Hmm. Yeah. No no specific um, song on this, I think, was a hit that I know of. Um, I'm calling these cunts out for cheating the system <laughs> by manipulating a little-known loophole, um, the conditions made for an unfair sale advantage by a popular single lifted from a longer release. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Peter Garrett scammed his way into politics through similar trickery. <laughs> sure. So uh, he's a scammer. Um, I don't appreciate this using a loophole. So... It is and like... he's the worst dancer Australia's seen, so I don't know. <laughs> He's not a great
1: dancer. No. I can't argue that. Um, the Yeah, if you've never seen Peter Garrett dance, you know, as the D-generation once said, he looks like a guy who's trying to dance with 240 volts going up each leg. <laughs> but, um, like... They were big at this time. Yeah. Like, it's kind of weird. Like, it's weird to me that... Th- it's weird to me that they were popular at all, really, because they're an odd duck. Yeah. They were sort of like a, you know... If you don't know Midnight Oil, they were like... They were sort of like the Australian local Rage Against the Machine of their day. Yeah. They were like a kind of hard rock, almost metal ish band that did primarily political sort of polemical kind of stuff. And yet they sort of appealed to not just the people who would otherwise find that interesting, but also like Bogans who just thought they sounded good when they'd had a slab of beer. Yep. And yeah, I mean I'm not you know all this stuff, but like yeah. Yet yeah they right. somehow, like in examples like this, despite not having any hit songs on here and not having any songs that either of us have even heard of. Yeah managed to be at number one for six weeks beating out, you know, the majesty of the power of fucking love <laughs> somehow, <laughs> exactly. you know, like, so people were buying them, you know, Definitely. and they did make it overseas. Like I hear people on the radio still talking about them, you know, people in other countries know who Midnight Oil were. They
0: Yeah. And look, it's interesting, I guess, that in 1985, they had this number one song, you write, right. And they were singing about issues um, that today... We still talk about environmental yeah, oh, issues, absolutely. First Nation, you know, sort of Indigenous affairs issues. I was going to say lyrics. Things, so.
1: uh, this is from the first song, "Progress." Uh, see if this sounds familiar. Got robot car, your jobs will disappear. It's the politics of a brand new year. Yeah, which sounds like insert Elon Musk here, even <laughs> you know exactly. That was 1985, so you know they were yeah. ahead of their time. So look, I, I think you're right. Having something that's
0: that's sort of this. Political, I think they were known for their political stances, yet still very popular. I find it... I I think it would be difficult. I don't really see it happening today, a band that's really, really political, especially about environmental issues, those sorts of things, even though it's...
1: Achieving that level of popularity. Absolutely. I think people would be like, oh,
0: it's too preachy or something these days. I don't know. But yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not sure. Wait and see. But... So there you go, that's the, that's the end. Um, $3.56 for this.
1: Uh, that's well, the most expensive, but it is an EP. The fact EP, that neither so. of us have heard of it, neither. No, that exactly. might actually... I will say too, just from a dorky perspective, it's got a really cool, uh, very, very 1985 cover, graphic design cover to the EP, which actually still looks good. There's a lot of them that look friggin' terrible, but yep. it's uh, yeah, it's quite a cool... It seems like something that would be kind of collectible. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. And what, uh, how many people have they 1. got? 1.8 million on yeah, Spotify, so that's bad. Yeah. Definitely,
0: they're still going today, still releasing music now that Peter Garrett's been they got back kicked together. out of parliament <laughs> or quit. I can't remember which one it was, but... Um, so, yeah, absolutely. So, that's good. So, that's it. That's the year. Um, I think what, what we'll have a look at now... One last little bit. What have we got? Songs um, that didn't quite make yeah, it number, to number one. So, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, well, that must have
1: been a close run I mean, that
0: that's that's one of his biggest hits maybe he tried to compete with do they know it's motherfucking Christmas exactly I feel bad for Bruce Springsteen that he was kept off the charts off the number one position for one of his biggest songs because of that bullshit but there you go Um, The Heat Is On by Glenn Frey (laughs) (laughs) that's a fucking banger saxophone saxophone. One More Night by Phil Collins Everybody Wants to Rule the World as we talked about before Uh, Tears for Fears Can't Fight This Feeling by (laughs) REO Speedwagon. Oh my god, talk about mullets. Have a look at that video if you don't believe it. And what you need by In Excess. So there's a lot of hits there. I think a lot of those songs that reached number two, most of those songs were significantly better than the ones
1: that hit number one. Oh my god, any any of those songs, including REO Speedwagon and One More Night, should have beaten Jennifer Rush onto the charts. Absolutely. Good Uh, lord. Oh, for sure! Um, "Money for Nothing" by Dire Straits was yeah, yeah. a
0: huge hit. I thought that would have, yeah, but no. You alas. spin me
1: around like a record, which also got onto the American Psycho
0: soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, by Dead or Alive, that's a bonafide classic. Uh you know that's better than all the songs on there.
1: <laughs> yeah, Neutron Dance from Pointer Sisters, yeah. and
0: "Walking on Sunshine" by Katrina and the Waves. So.
1: Oh, man, it's a fickle business, isn't it? Absolutely. These charts. You know, one minute you're born in the USA, the next minute you're the power of love by Jennifer Rush. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, thank you for listening. Yes, and thanks,
0: uh, God. Well, uh, something about some social media or whatever. Sure. Subscribe, Insert whatever people stuff do. Here. So good. <laughs> Take care.
1: Okay. See ya. <laughs>